Blog Talk Radio.
you know love makes the world go round and love baby makes the seesaw so
riding LSD Whatever you wanna do, baby, I feel it so good I'm feeling my time, feeling your time And I know what I can do, cause I be in my prime And I know what you can do, cause you're feeling this rhyme Well, I, I wanna take you to the step of the light We can move to the left, move straight to the right We can dip all day, we can pop all night But baby girl, go ahead and let it just hang out what I'm on, romance, talking about Love the way the shot rides and the shot lights on ya Baby, when I come and put my love right on ya Ain't got a problem, but girl, you be a goner when you're not doing me You know that I could be gonna jump Yeah. 
Hotel Grand Rising, Better Love. You are listening to Dr. Robert X. Form by way of Truth to Power. I'm Beverly, and tonight what we are talking about is nothing. And this is part two. How are you doing tonight, Dr. Robert X? <laughs> oh, man, I love when you said that. <laughs> We're talking about absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. this is the best family. I'm doing okay. good, man. Good, good. But I, I, I may have to leave a little early tonight. Okay, so go ahead. Okay. No, I was just saying I, I haven't really seen what was going on too much today, so I don't uh, have much to comment. What are they doing in, in your hometown, Chicago? 
uh, isn't that uh, Asian area or something where they're protesting? Okay, you lost me with that one there. I'm seeing protesting in Chicago, but it's not black folks. It looks like that they're Asians or Mexicans or something. Brighton Park, Brighton Park. Probably, I I don't know, Bev. That's new to me. I didn't see that. Oh, okay. Okay. It's probably uh, Arab. Well, it depends on what they... It looked like it was Asians and they foreigners, but they protesting about the immigrants. Okay, yeah, then that wouldn't be the Arab. Well, if, mm-hmm. I told you, every group in the city, white, black, nobody wants this but mm-hmm. the politicians. Okay, that's why they had. Because most of them are nothing more than ass kissers, and I tell them to their faces. See, I don't know a lot of these politicians that are in City Hall now. I got so turned off about fake politicians. I just put them to the side, Bear. So I don't know any of these politicians. But mm-hmm. I do know of their behavior. And uh, several of them are communists, openly. Okay? So they're going to push the same agenda. So, you know, I, again, nobody should be surprised about protests in Chicago because, like, every day now there's a different protest uh, about the illegals, the Palestinians, the Jews, et cetera, every day. And normally the, the protests are fake, uh, set up by these communists, these white people who've been running this game for decades to recruit black people. Now, I've, I've kind of explained that whole thing before, but they got long roots here in Chicago. And I just never had the stomach for them. We'd, we'd be at an all-black gathering, and here come these scraggly-haired white boys pushing this communist stuff. So, like I said, Bear, they got a long history of doing this stuff here in Chicago. But, oh, they elected a speaker. Oh, they did? Oh, oh I really missed that. Who did they elect? Uh... Uh, a, a congressman from Louisiana named Mike Johnson. Mm, never heard of him. What, what, what's his record? He's a shot. Maybe dude. not. Oh, is he? Oh yeah, he was on uh, in defense of Orange Man during the impeachment trial. Mm-hmm. Very meticulous kind of dude. Pays attention to detail. Mm-hmm. He's a constitutional. What's his name again? Mike Johnson. Okay. Supposedly he's a constitutional uh, attorney. Attorney, like Obama. Although <clears throat> Obama never followed the Constitution. 
So his degree in the Constitution was null and void because many of the actions that he took as the president were unconstitutional. But he probably studied this, so he he knew uh, how to make it, you know, what what to do and how to do it. He, he probably, to, that's probably one of the reasons he studied it. Yes, and I think he taught it at the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I, I, although I can't imagine being in his classroom and accepting his interpretation of the law. Because again, uh, just from the beginning, uh, dropping bombs on people and weaponizing drones and all this kind of stuff, it, it was insane. None of it was constitutional, but it didn't matter because that was his job. So, well, yeah. I got a. Um... This guy, Mike, I, I, I remember yesterday, the other day, uh, what's the other guy who's been real speakative in the uh, Republican Party? They they had had a meeting that day to pick the speaker, and he came out of the meeting and said that these were deep state Republicans, and they just refused they, to let the, the other guy in. What was his name, the first one that was supposed to, to get in? Jim Jordan? Yes. Yeah, they refused to let him in. So he just came out and said it. When, hmm? See, that's why they had Your to phone. have those. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I hear a lot of paper or something moving. Okay, that was me moving the phone a little bit closer to me. Oh, because you, okay. Now, you, you better. You better. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's 75% of the Republicans, okay, uh, who can't stand the light of day. So they had the meetings in secret behind closed doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would vote one way, then they would come out publicly because they scared because their phones got blew up from their constituents. Uh, It got so bad there last week that uh, they wouldn't accept no calls at the congressional offices Hmm. because nobody was in support of them. So they kept lobbying to have uh, the meetings behind closed doors. But it was a very interesting thing. Uh, And you were talking about Matt Gates. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he would be in the know in terms of what 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 really went down. And I did get a chance mm-hmm. to see him today. I hope this thing plays. But I I want you and the family to listen to what he had to say about the process and how they managed to get this guy because he's straight up MAGA. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, we we had 
a lot of MAGA, as we as I say, that was in drags. You know, they was pretending to be MAGA, but they wasn't. They infiltrated. There was a lot of that during uh, Trump's pregnancy, up pregnancy, a presidency. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's pregnant, Sister Bev, he gave birth to a whopper day. Because he unloaded on the court. Did you see him when he came out the courtroom today? You say, no, I didn't hear nothing today. I hadn't, didn't have a chance to look at nothing today. Yeah. So he let loose on him, huh? Cohen sit up there and lied and admit that he lied on the stand today. Mm-hmm. Basically saying that what they accused Trump of, he didn't say or he didn't do. Trump got up and walked out the courtroom and went and gave a, 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 a statement to the press saying that the trial is basically over and that it never should have started to begin with. And all the other trials uh, of which this is a, a, this one is like a foundation for, not the foundation, but a foundation, because they're all connected. Mm-hmm. All the other trials uh, should be withdrawn. Mind-blowing, Bear. Absolutely Mm -hmm. mind-blowing. Because remember, they supposedly put him up under gag order. So he's not even supposed to be talking to the press, huh? But he said he's going to violate it, and if they want to lock him up, lock him up. Mm Mm-hmm. Look, there ain't nobody like this dude. I defy anybody to find me somebody like this cat in his position. So what the what the judge, this crazy-ass judge, uh, is doing is finding him. Every time Trump uh, holds a press conference and is critical of the people charging him, all this is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. See, um, Trump comes out and makes it anyway, and, and uh, they find him ten thousand dollars. I mean, the people, the, the mega people will pay that. He, they'll pay his fine. He's not worried about that. Yeah, he don't even need it, Bev. He ain't. I mean, no, no. Thing he's spending will be reimbursed to him mm-hmm, mm-hmm, with win. interest. Yes, he's going to win all the cases because they're all bogus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, it's like they trot these people out here. This is the media. That's why you can't. You can't really. Listen to the mainstream media, and that's what's been happening. And that's nullifying a lot of the juice that they used to have. But they done lied so much about so many things and got caught red-handed that even their own people don't trust them no more. Okay? In a phrase, Bev, Biden is running around talking about Bidenomics and how good the economy is and that he's responsible for it. <laughs> what planet is he on? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Beth. 
No, I was just saying, what planet is he on? Because everybody else don't see that. Well, all people got to do is walk out their house and go do anything. It's going to cost you considerably mm-hmm. more, right? Yeah. And that's they say inflation, which is nothing more than the devaluation of the currency. Family, bear. Do you know uh, one of the central banks is on the verge of collapsing? Well, they keep saying that. Nope. Not like this, Bear. This is a bank. They produce the money. They print the money. Mm. It's like the Federal Reserve. Have you ever heard of the Federal Reserve being on the verge of collapse? Mm, No. Exactly. Well, this is one of the Federal Reserve banks, the central banks, mm-hmm. on the verge of collapse. See, I've been reading all these little stories about all these banks that are teetering on the edge. Right. Like I said, I expected uh, this thing to come tumbling down this past summer, and it didn't happen. But that don't mean that it won't happen. Okay, the last time you had something of this magnitude, this is gonna make the nineteen uh nineteen the two thousand and seven uh collapse look tame in comparison. Because that was focused on a particular market, which was the housing market. Mm-hmm. Ain't no bailout. Because your currency ain't going to be worth nothing because the government can't even sell bonds because the money ain't worth nothing. So who want to buy a promissory note that the government will pay you so much interest if you give us this much money today? That's what the bonds are. They can't sell them to nobody. You see, because people know I'm talking around the world, that Russia and China is getting ready to introduce that gold-backed currency. Okay? Which means you can get a set amount of gold if you have their currency. That changes everything. There's no way you can get out from under that. So you see... That's part of the economic rationale for the war. They got to go to war. 1929, the central banking system collapsed based on pretty much the same thing. And what happened? Well, the stock market collapsed. And what happened? War was right around the corner. What makes this so so dangerous, Bear, is they pretty much have bankrupted Europe, all the European allies, all in deep trouble with their governments being uh, voted out of office. All over Europe, that's what's going on. And it's because the people are ready to rise up against these people. And it won't take much because all of those governments are in trouble 
they'll do whatever Biden and uh, the Zionists tell them to do because they got their Zionist people in those countries too. You see, so that's why this thing is so dangerous. It don't have to start in the United States. It can start in Australia. Same result. But anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. I want the family to listen. I hope this plays. To your guy, Bev, um, mm-hmm. Matt Gates explaining what was really behind and how they managed to get uh, this Jim Johnson that's the news. Jim Johnson. Mike I can't Johnson. remember. Mike Johnson. Thank you, Val. Uh, how he really managed to maneuver his way to be the mm-hmm. speaker because they were mm-hmm. already in the sabotage him too. Mm-hmm. All right? Now, these are the old people, the people who've been in Congress, a bunch of old guys, for a long time, these so-called rhinos. And the thing that ties them all together is they have military industries in their states. So they love war because for them, war is jobs. This this is the, the insanity of the white people, putting them in there, Okay. Because the white people work in the weapons industry, the military-industrial complex. So they keep putting these bastards back in office. Same with the Democrats. And, of course, the payoff is they get kickbacks, campaign donations, and this kind of stuff, money uh, uh, given to the political action committees that they might set up, all this kind of thing from the weapons industry. So they want their guy in there. So what they were doing was knocking everybody off, trying to get back around to Kevin McCarthy. Did you hear me? Mm-hmm. So they want to discredit everybody so they can get Kevin McCarthy back in there. But they got trapped (laughs) and Matt Gates explained it. So I hope again, I hope this plays, check this out family. You'll find it quite interesting and it lets you know uh, who the dirty dogs really are. All right. Crowded here. Don't please don't fail me now. Let's have you to play. Stop it, man. Stop it. Don't start that, man. Historic, unprecedented. Walk us through it. 
Oh, thanks so much, Stephen. I have to start by thanking the War Room Posse. This would not have happened without you. I can legitimately say that the feedback people were getting from our activists all over the country led them to the best result. And I also want to thank you, Steve, because though I get very frustrated with you sometimes when I'm trying to call you and get advice and you're broadcasting, you know, 87 hours a day, I do appreciate in, in the off hours uh, your counsel. And it's important for people to know how uh, how gracious you are with that and how much I appreciate it and how much my colleagues appreciate it. So I, I want to give you the first. Let, let, me, let me say one, let me just say one thing. And, and I, no, I always defer. I always defer to Gates because this is a young man that's got quite, he, he's playing, he's playing five dimension chess all the time. And sometimes we have crosswords and a little hot talking, but it's a process of making sure things run well. Matt, terrific job. Walk us through what happened. No, it's the Irish in you and the Scotch-Irish in me, maybe. So, all right, here's, here's what happened. I'm gonna, I, the, really, the, the, ch the chapter of this that was dispositive, the crescendo, begins as uh, Tom Emmer is withdrawing from this yesterday. It, it, I told Emmer on Sunday he was not going to get there. He was going to move like a hot knife through butter through about the first, you know, 80% of the conference, but that there was going to be a series of votes that were never going to be there for him. He wanted to run through it, and I said, Tom, here's the deal. Uh, you can have your runway, but when you get to that last group that will not support you, you cannot drag this on for days. You cannot drag this on for weeks. You cannot play into what Kevin McCarthy was working the whole time to try to get people to believe that the only person that could govern the Republican conference is Kevin McCarthy. So Emmer agrees that he's going to have his shot, but that it's going to be quick. So we get that through the gestation system uh, early yesterday. So as Emmer is with drawing, Mark Molinaro, a moderate New York freshman Republican, stands up at the microphone and says, well, instead of restarting this process and having a candidate forum and sending everybody home for a good cry, let's just take a non-binding poll on where it would be on the person who came in second to Tom Emmer, and that was Mike Johnson. And Elise Stefanik said, well, that's against the rules. The, the rules don't contemplate it. We can't do that. And brilliantly, Mark Molinaro says, then I move for unanimous consent that the rules be waived and we take a poll on whether or not Mike Johnson uh, could be our speaker nominee. And guess who objects to that unanimous consent request? Kevin McCarthy. Who was that? Kevin McCarthy stands up oh, and come interrupts. On. It says, I object. <laughs> to doing a roll call on Mike Johnson. And Mike Johnson was exasperated. All the times Johnson had voted for McCarthy, had carried his water, maybe even voted for some bills he didn't like because he, he was working toward the Republican conference's stated objectives under McCarthy. And, and here was the thing. It showed everyone that it was actually McCarthy who was working to knife Scalise. It was actually McCarthy who was working to knife Jim Jordan. It was McCarthy working to knife everyone hadn't yet figured out a way to knife Mike Johnson. And so he was worried that there was going to be this great unifying moment, and he scuttled the unifying moment. So because of McCarthy's objection, we had to have this three-hour delay. And, you know, candidates announce again, have another forum. And guess what happens during that delay, Steve? Patrick McHenry runs to the House floor, opens it up out of recess, and then adjourns till noon today. Now, why did he do that? because they were setting up a play to block Mike Johnson with write-in votes in the intra-conference process for Kevin McCarthy. 
They were promising people hearings on their favorite legislation, passage of bills. I heard promised, oh, maybe you'll get a, a chairmanship. And, and the play for McCarthy to return as speaker and then Jim Jordan to be the deputy speaker in some sort of like Dwight Schrute assistant to the regional manager posture. And that would have been debasing to Jordan, someone I like a great deal, and it would have been empowering to McCarthy. So Garrett Graves and all these people working to try to effectuate this return of McCarthy, and they're telling us there are going to be 100 votes for McCarthy on the write-in. You know how many there were? 33 on the first write-in. So they flame out terribly. Mike Johnson's gaining momentum. Ultimately, Mike, uh, McCarthy gets 43 to vote for him on a secret ballot, but Mike Johnson gets a majority, and then he says, you know what I want? I want a roll call vote so that those 43 would have to announce themselves as, as being for a candidate who wasn't even running instead of a unifying force like Mike Johnson. And when we called for the roll call, do you know how many people voted for Kevin McCarthy? Zero. He went from four, he went he, zero. So he went from promising 100 votes to delivering 43 to zero willing to vote for him. And everyone in the room knew at that moment that I wasn't the force for chaos. I wasn't causing disunity. The past three weeks, the reason the House of Representatives has been paralyzed is because for his own selfish gain, Kevin McCarthy was sabotaging the candidacy of anyone else because he was plotting a return. And we stopped it. And in the place of Kevin McCarthy, we get a Bayou, uh, Louisiana Mike Johnson, a brilliant constitutional attorney. He has been my seatmate on the Judiciary Committee for seven years. For seven years, we have worked against the illegitimate impeachments, against the weaponization of this government. This, is, this guy did the toughest cases before the Louisiana Supreme Court. He is sharp. He will be as respected in the halls of our, uh, in the homes of our most meaningful, right, meaningful, righteous, and patriotic donors as he will at the rallies with our most enthusiastic and meaningful activists. It is going to be a great moment for the House. And you know what? At the very end, when some people didn't know if they could still even bring back McCarthy, a few of them just left the room and didn't vote. And the swamp is on the run. MAGA is ascendant. And if, if you don't think that moving from Kevin McCarthy to MAGA Mike Johnson shows the ascendance of this movement and where the power in the Republican Party truly lies – uh, then, then you're not paying attention. But they are, they are crying, they are hand wringing and bedwetting over on K Street because we have an honorable, righteous, righteous man uh, who is about to take this position. He's going to do great things for the country. I, I want to make sure we go back to this because of the 20. Once you made the vote, once Mike Johnson said, "I want it on the record," we're not going to go to the floor because because McCarthy's guys blocked it. But I want it on the record here. All four now. Not one of the 43 stood up and said, I'm voting for McCarthy, correct? No, and like obviously because McCarthy and Graves and, and these guys were running this because they were out promising the world to people, they voted for McCarthy. But then Kevin McCarthy, after voting on the secret anonymous ballot for himself, then had to stand up and vote for Mike Johnson after his objections had been overrun, after his coalition had, been, had dissolved, and after the sad hopes of a desperate man trying to cling to power were vanquished. This is, I want to go back to the specter of, we've called the specter McCarthy has loomed over this entire thing and the media, the mainstream media refused. They kept saying we were the cause of the chaos. This is because 
the lobbyists, the corporatists, the oligarchs on Wall Street, big tech, have control of him and this apparatus. They've had it yeah. now for over a decade, right? right. And they right. don't want to give when it up. They are that in was, control. At the end of the day, that's what the fight was about. Right. When they are in control, the American people get chaos. We get chaos with no budgets, with rising debts, with an administrative bureaucratic state that has seemingly no check, with all of these uh, permissive resolutions and investigations that don't result in meaningful change for our people. That's chaos. I have tried to bring order out of that chaos. And the reason it took me a little longer than expected, the reason it took three weeks instead of three days, is because Kevin McCarthy leveraged the last vestiges of his power to try to block any other human of any other ideology from being able to assume the speakership. And he was defeated. The swamp was defeated. And it would not have happened without this possibility. It would not have happened without uh, some, some great work from people like Jody Arrington, Jody Arrington, Clay Higgins, uh, Scott Perry. We had, we had a great team working uh, to give Mike Johnson the support he needed to build a coalition. Uh, Kevin Hearn was an absolute star. Mark Green was the star. Uh, there, there is going to be a real opportunity for us to come together. This is what, it is on our this, terms. This is what, it is what, their surrender on our what, terms. Right. This is what Green said when Green dropped out and said, he tweeted out, he says, their game's being played. Those are the games we're talking about. Also, Emmer and Scalise had a role in this also. This was really a unifying moment for the entire conference. Didn't they have a role in this also? Yeah, and I respect these men, and I know they might not be the favorite of your audience, but there was a moment when I went to Emmer and Scalise, and I said, look, fellas, like now you see it. You see it plain as day that the person who was working against you all along was Kevin McCarthy. And Steve Scalise, like, like the Italian godfather, sat in the corner as McCarthy was trying to block his fellow Louisiana and Mike Johnson. And member after member came up to Steve Scalise, and he would give them advice and counsel people, respect Steve so much, and listen to him. And you watched Steve Scalise put the final dagger in the heart of the hopes of Kevin McCarthy's return, and it was a beautiful chef's kiss because Steve Scalise actually was not treated fairly during this process. Kevin did everything he could to hurt Steve, and the fact that Steve now gets to put Mike Johnson in that chair uh, over Kevin McCarthy's attempted comeback is, is glorious. Another Louisiana. Uh, real quick, I know you got to bounce, but you in your seven years as, as the wingman with, uh, with Johnson, He's very focused on the administrative state. He's very focused on the deep state. He's very, as a constitutionalist, he's beyond upset about what's happened to DOJ. Walk me through what do you think that's going to take as far as the speakership? Well, Mike Johnson lashes a technical proficiency to go after the administrative state with a real desire and willingness to do so. We have said some people demonstrate great proficiency, but maybe not as much willingness. And then some people aren't willing at all. Mike Johnson sees the weaponized administrative state for what it is. The best questioning that I've seen from any member on any subject in the 118th Congress was last year when Mike Johnson pinned Merrick Garland down on critical race theory and the fact that his own son-in-law was profiting off of it and Garland was then serving as the muscle. It, it was exquisite. So this guy knows what to do. He is a tactician, and I will be right by his side doing everything possible to see that Mike Johnson is successful, to see 
the House of Representatives is successful in our oversight goals, and ultimately that the American people are successful. The other thing, Trump and Mike Johnson get along so well. You'll remember back in one of the impeachments of yesteryear, Mike Johnson was actually on the Trump defense team uh, driving a lot of the message and a lot of the legal strategy that was ultimately successful in the Senate. It starts at high noon. I hear Elise Stefan is going to put his name in nomination. Uh, uh, Matt, where do people go on social media to follow you? Because it's going to be an intense day. We're not yeah, I'm going to be yet. Bre- I'm going to be breaking down uh, more detail on how this developed and even uh, what we're doing now to ensure that we lock down those last votes on my podcast, Firebrand, that people can find on Rumble, on YouTube, anywhere you get your podcasts. Also, at Matt Gates, at Rep Matt Gates, anywhere on the Internet. I do a pretty good job letting you know what's happening. Uh, Congressman Great, uh, Gates, fantastic job. Uh, great work overnight. Look forward to it. There you have it. Now, if he's lying, then other politicians should have come out or would have come out and called him a liar by now. Because he basically owes Kevin McCarthy. Oh, yes. Big time. Publicly. Publicly. Okay? So I, I waited all day to see if is there going to be a rebuttal? Not a word. Let me tell you how important that is. No Ukraine money? Oh, that's right. Okay. He the money man. He he controlled the money. Oh, my God, I know they sick. <laughs> Look, move the impeachment. Uh, make sure you get the documents. If you don't give up the documents, no no money for you. We're going to cut off your budget. Okay? See, the money is a very powerful tool in politics. It's, they say it's the, uh, the baby's milk, right? What makes the baby go to sleep? It uh, gives the baby growth potential. And now you pretty much got uh, an intellectual Donald Trump as the Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. And this is the very thing that McCarthy and them was trying to prevent from happening, and they walked right into their own trap. There's so many things that the Speaker... Remember, he's third in line. But this is the president, the vice president, and then the speaker. That is correct. And then if my history serves me correct, after the speaker comes the sergeant at arms. It's monumental at this particular time. Okay? while all these court cases are blowing up in their face. See, these these attorneys get federal dollars. And Jim Jordan alluded to this uh, in one of his committees in terms of requesting documentation 
phone records to see who the attorney uh, uh, in Atlanta is. She was collaborating with the Biden administration. Scared of the death. Okay? Because they get federal dollars. Which means that the government, anytime the government giving you money, they can look into your records. Look, Bear family, the reason that a lot of those Republicans are scared of Mitch McConnell uh, is not because he's a dead man walking. He's been that for a long time. But because he knows the rules of the Senate like nobody else. Chuck Schumer goes to him to understand how to do certain things in the Senate. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Chuck Schumer is the Senate leader. He's a a, a, a dyed-in-the-wool Zionist. Okay? But he goes to Mitch McConnell because nobody in the Senate knows the the little nuances, the little uh little crannies that you could hide things in or or go and retrieve things for procedures like Mitch McConnell. That's why you don't hear none of them other senators attacking him. It comes back to that old saying, knowledge is power. So that that was mine. I heard him uh, go through that whole thing about what really went down and how McCarthy was trying to backdoor his way. That's why you heard this week, and I was wondering why the hell folks uh, – Put McCarthy back in the mix, and he's running around making speeches and stuff. He got the, he's stealing the speaker's office. So <laughs> oh, he hadn't moved out yet. No, the interim guy was McCarthy's right hand man. This Patrick McHenry character. Mm-hmm. That was McCarthy's right hand man. So he was the interim speaker. He's the one that told Nancy Pelosi she had to get out of her office because McCarthy had made a deal with Pelosi for to have a lot of the Democrats to not vote. So the uh, eight Republicans that voted with the Democrats to remove McCarthy wouldn't have been able to do it because they wouldn't have had the vote. But instead of voting present, all the Democrats are Democrats voted no as a, as a kind of procedural thing. And that was because of Nancy Pelosi, because Nancy Pelosi still runs the house. I told you, that dude with the nine corners on his head ain't running nothing but his mouth. Okay? He's the heir apparent uh, based on his connections to Wall Street. All right. 
I'm tired of stupid black politicians, Bear family. Mm-hmm. Did you hear the video of, of Sheila Jackson Lee? No. She was being recorded? She didn't know she was being recorded? She did not know she was being recorded. And what did she say? Uh, every other word that came out of her mouth had some brown on it. You thought you would have thought you were listening to somebody in an alley somewhere. Not mm. this woman that's there with that big fake hairpiece sitting on her head for the last 20-some years trying to play like she's Pocahontas, half engine or something, right? Mm-hmm. Nasty, foul mouth, just... I know people don't have a problem with the language today because it's all in the music and that kind of thing. However, I still think that when you are looked upon in a position of authority, there's a certain protocol that you automatically exhibit, okay? Because the general, you represent the general public in terms of your constituency. Therefore, you should, you should set an example for them. Not every other word come out your mouth got some brown on the end of it. You know what that brown is. Okay, but it's just it's sad. People used to be statesmen, even the black ones. I think of people like uh, Walter Funtroy back in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, people like him. Black people don't appreciate politicians like him. All right. Uh, they're the ones that they get thrown to the wolves because black people have not, we don't have the the political acumen necessary because we don't have these people work for us. They work for the Democratic Party. So they're not going to come to their constituents and and share with their constituents how this stuff really works and how filthy it is. Their sole role is to protect the Democratic Party. That was a bomb, Bill. I hope it it played pretty good so when people go back and listen to this, now you got some context on what the hell is really going on in the House. The one thing that I dislike Okay, because I told you, well, Robin X, why are you paying so much attention to this? I told you because from my vantage point, what you're going to see happening, okay, because history is circular. You know, we always say, well, go around, come around. And I believe that in the body politic, what you're going to see happen is black people go back to their original political roots. And that would be the Republican Party. But as I stated, what has to happen is all them old races. I said this right here on Truth to Power a few weeks ago. All them old races got to go. Because, see, the alternative to this uh, is Klaus Schwab and, and Bill Gates and them people. 
Okay, total Zionist takeover. That's the alternative. All right, now, I would hope that when we get through with this series, uh, that if nothing else, you have a little bit more background and understanding on how dangerous Zionism really is. Okay? Uh, Its history is murderous toward anybody involved. This is not my opinion. It's fact. Okay? So what you think, Bill? Watch, watch tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, now I'm watch. Really be watching tomorrow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, everybody should pay a little bit more attention tomorrow because you can expect that the mainstream media is going to go ballistic. They're going ballistic. Because here's the other thing. They could also call the media head into Congress and put their ass under oath. Okay? That deals with the collusion of the media that everybody's seen. That's why nobody watches it anymore. Okay? And yes, I believe in a free press, but that's not what we got here. Press has been in collusion with the Democratic Party and the Klaus Schwab because how else can you explain, Sister Bear, all the lies that the media told about the venom and the virus. You see? You compare what they said and look at what has come out since they've been exposed and it's two different worlds. Okay, now if they go in front of them, one of them committees and lie, now you can lock their asses up and see how they like it. Now, when you start talking about mainstream media, you're talking about a Zionist construct. <laughs> CNN ain't learned this lesson. It's still doing fake war footage, Bear. It's unbelievable. Fake war footage with a reporter crawling down on his stomach like they're in the middle of a war zone <laughs> and they're miles and miles away and the director is telling them to turn up the volume on the, the bombs that are miles and miles away so they can seem like it's right there. Mm-hmm. And they got this white woman uh, crawling around on the ground like she under attack. Unbelievable. Remember, Bear, when CNN got caught uh, in a hurricane? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and this guy standing there holding his hat and, you know, it's like they had a, a wind machine or something 
uh, where the producer was, because then the two white boys in the background walk right past and start waving. <laughs> everything. And this is in the middle of right. this guy considered a disaster. Exactly. I mean, they didn't get caught so much. ABC News got caught showing old footage of bombs, uh, 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 a practice area where bombs were being exploded and tried to say that that was somewhere in Syria. Mm -hmm. I mean, these people, they have to have some system of standards by which they operate because if they don't, this is what we get. Constant lies on MSNBC. Uh, the view, all of it, just constant lies. And it's not because I dislike them, although I do because I understand the rationale behind it, but it's provable that this is pretty much all they do is lie. And remember, Bev, I told you years ago we did a forum called Lies One, Truth Nothing. Yeah. That this was thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about okay, and after that we came up with the next one was truth or consequences. This is all a part of a series, and what that uh, title signified was: people go either learn how to accept the truth, or you're gonna suffer the consequences. And that is exactly where we are. All right? You can't separate any of this from what's going on in Israel because this whole thing was prompted by lies to begin with. Right. That's the first casualty in war, they say, is the truth. But how long did they lie to the public about Ukraine? As recently as a couple of months ago, they talking Ukraine is in the middle of their offensive, and they're on the verge of taking back three-quarters of the land that Russia uh, has seized from them. That was just a few months ago. If I was Zelensky, I'd get me at least uh, two other forms of life insurance. (laughs) I don't know if they got a state farm in Ukraine, but he'd need to go, uh, go to a reputable life insurance dealer and get him a couple of policies. He know too much about where that money has been going. And I don't think he can act his way out of this one. Once that money starts drying up, all right, you can expect the Democrats to go crazy. 
And you're going to begin to see that uh, tomorrow is Thursday. Yeah, you'll begin to see that tomorrow. But it's a done deal now. Dude is the speaker. And so when do he officially take office? If he got sworn in today. Okay, once he got the votes, that's it. So all he do now is get his office and go to work. The FBI don't over the documentation. No funds. Holler and scream all you want. Nobody trusts the FBI. Even the white people don't trust the FBI. Why? Because January the 6th, everybody and their mama know that that's a fraud. You got one of the D.C. policemen, black dude, all over the media talking about all the lies. He said it's obviously a conspiracy. You got the head of the Capitol uh, Police all over media, okay, at least media that will talk to him. Don't look for him on MSNBC or CNN, okay, because he was right there. He ran the damn police. He says obvious that Nancy Pelosi uh, and, and others were plotting. And when you know it, man, they remove him and then put a black woman in his spot. Yeah. And as soon as steal the election, Bear family, she didn't get to be the head cop at one of the universities out in California. Mm-hmm. That's the payoff. Here we go again, using the black woman to push their agenda. And when the deal go down, their ass going to be left out there holding the bag. Because they're going to crack like uh, $2 makeup. Sisters, when they get put on that stand, they're going to crack like $2 makeup. Mark my words. And that should be a lesson to all of us. Be careful what you get involved in, what you get engaged in, because it might cost you a lot. This is big time. This ain't no little small fry kind of stuff. You better know what you're getting in. These people offer you a, a cushy job because you do do they dirt for them? Turn down the job. It might be to your advantage to turn down the job. This is deep stuff, family. Bear, you got one of the brothers that's the head of one of the chapters for Black Lives Matter. Quit and sit down supporting Donald Trump and MAGA. What? I told you this is getting deep, Bear. This is getting deep. When you start messing with these Zionists, that is the system of white supremacy. 
don't don't lose that. That is the system of white supremacy. Okay, they just use Judaism, anti-Semitism as a cover. They are not Jews. They are Satanists. Keep saying that. All right? And again, that's why you got the de facto headquarters of the LGBT right there in Israel. How does that happen? That's the land that so-called God gave them, the promised land, and they done turned it into a haven for freaks? This is deep stuff. I watched video of an Israeli cop that's really a, a, a soldier on the streets basically telling American uh, Christians that they are not allowed to preach the gospel on the streets and that he has the right to kill them under Israeli law. And he was deadly serious, letting them know that you don't have no free speech in Israel. That's not the question. Well, now look at it, Bear. Who did the FBI just say is perhaps the most dangerous group in this country? Was it the Proud Boy? No, man. That's all right. White Christians. White Christians. That's what the FBI said, particularly Catholics. And when they were asked about any kind of evidence to show how they came to that conclusion, they couldn't give any. So are you saying that this is a religious war? This is the Satan, which is their religion? Against Christianity? That's exactly what I'm saying. There's no question about it. But before they get to, to go to that war, they had to make sure that they neutralize the various areas of Christian power, particularly the Catholic Church. So see... When they took down the mafia in the late 80s, early 90s, they also took down the Catholic Church. Yeah, they showed you that in Godfather. Yes. Well, this is real life. Mm-hmm. All right? And ever since then, as a matter of fact, Malachi Martin. Wow, it's good to mention that dude's name. Malachi Martin, uh, I think it was in Windswept House, one of his last books. He talked about the coronation of the Pope after John, I think it was after John Paul II, which would be that crazy dude that they, uh, he's still in the coach house. He ain't died yet. Because if he died, it would be all over the media, right? Yeah, should be. With that old bastard still in the coach house in the Vatican. He he looked like he was a hundred years old back then. 
Yes. But he's still alive, Bill. That's when they took over the church. They tried to assassinate John Paul II. Okay. Couldn't get him out the way. But uh, he became a shell after that. They put his ass in that pimp mobile with that bulletproof glass all around him. (laughs) 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 But uh, then you got to go back. Again, Bear, you mentioned the Godfather. Uh, That takes me all the way back to John Paul I, who they executed him on the 33rd day in office. It was done by the Masonic Order inside the Catholic Church. See, somebody to make that movie, the Godfather alludes to it, the Godfather too. It alludes to it, but there needs to be a movie made about that and what was going on with the Vatican Bank, with Archbishop Marchickis right here from the uh, gangster capital here in Chicago called Cicero, Illinois. That's where the head of the Vatican Bank came from. And uh, the P2, this uh, part of the stay-behind network of Masons, inside uh, uh, the Italian other European (laughs) Okay? That was called the P2, Propaganda Dewey, closely connected to the sovereign military order of Malta, where their symbol is that red cross. And Malta ain't nothing but a rock in the ocean. It's a big rock. But it has as much clout as the Vatican. Well, how is that possible? Because the church run it. That's old school, hundreds of years of tradition. Okay. Malta is where they uh, the, they met to sign the peace agreements after World War II. And you got people like Frank Sinatra. Why wouldn't he be? He's a member of the Sovereign Military Order of Malta. But you also have very prominent media figures, the former owners of Time Magazine, Henry Luce. He's a member of the Sovereign Military Order of Malta. Now, keep in mind... They are closely connected to the P2. For those of you who don't know, if you just do a Google search, just put P2 forward slash uh, Masonic murder. Okay? In that Godfather 2 movie, they let the cat out the bag, really. They said there's very little difference between the church and the mob. It's one and the same thing. Yeah. Now, I know the church is doing a lot of the uh, money laundering for the mob. And child smuggling. Pedophiles in the church. Mm-hmm. That was the end. Is mind blowing. So while they talk about you know the Jews and some of the 
things that they do in terms of their particular religious beliefs with the circumcision and sucking the child, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, hey, the other side of this religious thing, uh, no pun intended, ain't too kosher either. <laughs> and it's Catholic <laughs> kosher. Okay, family, let me know when y'all get through laughing at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll move oh, on. We ahead. did it. We got it. Yeah, we got it. The kosher, <laughs> the Jews. Yeah. Absolutely. So now the kosher nostra has taken over the church. You got the Pope that's pushing the LGBT. We already said LGBT headquarters is in Israel. The Holy Land. <laughs> Or is that Holly? All right. The Holy Land. Well, how does it get to be holy? When we stopped yesterday, family, we were into the Rothschilds being one of the guiding forces, if not the guiding force, in the establishment of the so-called State of Israel and Zionism, furthering the Zionist movement. But the Rothschilds weren't alone. They had this very prominent, uh, why the hell did I ever get involved with this Jewish guy named Theodore Herzl? You ever heard of him, Bill? Theodore Herzl? I, I can't remember who he is. Well, that's all right. That's all right. The family needs to know these people. Okay. He's like the godfather, okay? Uh, he's the operational head. He made the thing go, okay? The Rothschilds financed it, but he made it go because he was a part. <clears throat> he had been accepted into the aristocracy. So for him to go and push nationalism, right, which is against the aristocracy, they believe in uh, authoritarianism. That's what we're dealing with here now. You see how these things seem to line up? <laughs> we're dealing with the same people, and they are basically creating the same problems because the agenda is still the same. That agenda is over 2,000 years old, and it's called creating a uh, one world and one God construct. So they ain't going with the Jesus thing because to them that's a God, and they have a right to believe that. But you don't have a right to foment your transgressions in terms of your beliefs on other people and uh, look upon other people as less than. See, and this is what these people have done. Everybody else up under them are animals based on their religious belief. And it's as simple as that. Ain't no arguing that. Now, if that ain't psychopathic, I don't know what is. I used to always joke back during the days of uh, Menachem Smearson, 
okay, Derivi, who they, they ran full-page ads in the New York Times for this okay, saying he was God in the flesh. Rabbi Menachem Smithson, and you know what I said when he died? <laughs> Damn, I ain't never knew no God could die. <laughs> I want to see them I said back then I want to see them put his ass In a cave and put a boulder Up to the cave entrance And let me see him resurrect Up out of that To my knowledge Bev There's uh, no sightings of him anywhere Anyway, these are bad jokes, and Bev ain't biting. So anyway, let me go on here, family. Let's continue to look at Rothschilds in this whole Zionist movement. You going to say something, Bev? No, no. Okay. Uh, jokes are funny. Oh, okay. All right, well, I wouldn't know it. (laughs) I Alright, we're gonna work through it anyway, Ben. This is from yeah. JewishWeekly.com. dot com. The Rothschilds, generations of nurturing Zionism, child. Generations of nurturing Zionism. Okay, here's what they say. Without the Rothschilds. Israel's capital might hardly be the same. Quote, never has a family donated so much of its wealth to the making of a history, to the making of history, unquote, said Shimon Perez recently. Now, some of you may not be, I, I can still put the faces with these people. So for me, Shimon Perez, if you really want to see him, Think of the three stooges. Y'all remember Larry? Now, picture Larry as an older dude because they were three Jews. The three stooges. Right? Think of Larry as an old dude with white hair and you got Shimon Perez. Okay? Because he's just acknowledging uh, that there would be no Israel without the Rothschild money. They say, the family rose to prominence in the 18th century when Moses Amshel Rothschild and his five sons established a banking empire, which soon became one of the most powerful in the world. The family's connection with the Holy Land began when Baron Edmund de Rothschild developed a deep interest in Zionism in the 1880s following a series of pogroms in Russia. Now, I'll give you one guess where one of those major pogroms took place, Sister Bear. Say that again. Don't don't worry about it, Bear. Try Ukraine. Okay? They say, Visiting Palestine several times, 
He funded settlements, introduced agricultural innovations, purchased land for Jewish pioneering, and even helped finance Eliezer ben Yehuda's Hebrew Dictionary. A self-effacing man, Rothschild asked only that none of his efforts be publicly acknowledged. On one of his trips to Israel, so as to arrive in relative anonymity, he insisted on leaving his private yacht at Alexandria and traveling on to Jaffa by ordinary passenger boat. He even eschewed the public use of his name and was known instead only as Hanadiv, Hanadiv Hayadua, or the well-known benefactor. Okay. They're going to say, it's estimated that his total philanthropic expenditure in Palestine between 1884 and 1934 was about $6 million an enormous sum at the time. On his death in 1934, almost 125,000 acres of land and more than 40 settlements testified to his contribution and support. In 1957, the Baron's son, James, uh, also called uh, Yad Hanadiv, or the Benefactor's Memorial, I'm sorry, the Baron's sons, Jane created Yad Hanadib, the Benefactor's Memorial, to fund educational and cultural projects in Israel. He died later that year, but not before bequeathing funds to build Israel's parliament, the Knesset. So the very building that houses the political apparatus in Israel was financed by the Rothschilds. <coughs> so now you can see who and what is really behind is it real? Okay. Now they say. James Whittle, Whittle, Dorothy de Rothschild, continued the family tradition until her death in 1988. Now, what's what's interesting, family, is I know some of you are having uh, severe flashbacks to the recent past, like uh, 2015-2016, when Hillary Clinton was running for president, and the Rothschild girl, who I can never remember her name, right? Uh, she's one of the uh, one of the big boys, so to speak, and she loved Hillary Clinton. All right, uh, they were having all kind of fundraisers for her. She was always there. In one photograph, she's standing by some stairs, and the dude uh, who has a website website slash news organization who has the white hair whose boyfriend, right? This is another one of these homosexuals 
his boyfriend was the dude that basically ran and owned Comet Ping Pong with the little children. Uh, the, the news organization is called Media Matters. Okay? Media Matters. If you want to know who I'm talking about, just Google his Google that, that title. Okay, and his name will come up. But his boyfriend was the dude that basically ran Comet Ping Pong. A pizza joint for children who the newsman from CNN said is his wife's favorite restaurant. Then all of a sudden, some of you might remember this, Bev, you laughed at this uh, for quite a while when it happened. A young white boy goes to the restaurant and assassinates the towel on the floor. He supposedly <laughs> shot once or twice and killed some floor tiles. And then all all of that uh, was basically tied to people online pointing out that there were uh, underground tunnels for the children and stuff because they was doing child trafficking. And that comic ping pong where you even got pictures of Obama in there with a bunch of young children playing ping pong. Mind-blowing. Totally mind-blowing. Well, when they took the white boy in custody and they went and got his daddy, Bev, do you recall what line of work his daddy and him were in? I can't remember. I remember us talking about it. Rescuing little children. Mm. What a coincidence. Well, isn't that what pedophiles do? They go and get jobs around children, <clears throat> where the children are. Ain't that what the dude from Kanye West, uh, was it a shoe company or clothing line? Mm-hmm. Ain't uh, the, the guy that run that company, ain't that what he's just been put in charge of in Ukraine? Mm-hmm. There's a consistent pattern in terms of these people's behavior is what I'm saying. At any rate, uh, they go on to say in the article, James's widow, now he didn't die in 1957, uh, but he creates this benefactor's memorial. Uh, and then money go from that to create the Israeli parliament called the Knesset. So now he's died and his wife steps up to the plate. They say James's widow, Dorothy the Rothschild, continued the family tradition until her death in 1988. A friend of Hadassah, Hadassah founder, Henrietta Zoll, she helped found Jerusalem's Rothschild Hadassah Hospital, now known as Adasa Hospital, Ain Karim, which grew into the country's first medical school, the Hebrew University Hadassah School of Medicine. She also helped build Jerusalem's uh, Sharei Zedek Hospital, 
other Rothschild projects in the capital have included the renovation of the Yemin Moshe neighborhood, the development of the Valley of the Cross, and the Jerusalem Music Center, which gives music students uh, in Israel the chance to work with visiting international masters and the Supreme Court building. Following Jerusalem's reunification in 1967, the family also helped rebuild four ancient Sephardi synagogues. The foundation also has supported cultural projects such as educational television. And let me go back to that uh, rebuilding the four ancient Sephardi synagogues. If you didn't know, you need to. The Ashkenazi really look down on the Sephardim, okay? Because the Ashkenazi are the Europeans, blonde hair, blue eyes, the Nazis. The Sephardim may come from Spain, Mexico. In other words, they got black blood in them. And that's why some of them got that nappy hair, i.e., Larry from the Three Stooges. And a host of others. Now, what gets me about these people is they like to occupy both sides of, of an argument so that you don't have no opinion according to them. All right? And if you do have an opinion, it's irrelevant. So when you ever try to debate these people, they're going to take both sides of the argument. And we see that over and over and over. So I don't know why people would try to debate them, period. Okay? Um, I think a better course of action would be just to evangelize among your own people. To get your people to see these people for who and what they really are. And again, I ain't talking about all these. I'm talking about these Zionists. Okay? But you cannot. If you can, then you got to also acknowledge that those Boers that had taken control of South Africa had every right to do whatever the hell they wanted to do to the indigenous Africans in South Africa. See? Israel came after that. It was established. Okay? When the Boers took over South Africa. And by the way, when you look at the people that set up uh, uh, that Berlin conference, guess what, Bear family? Same mm-hmm. people. Same mm-hmm. people. That's where they carved up Africa at the Berlin Conference and decided who was going to get one piece, just like that scene in The Godfather when uh, Michael is in uh, Cuba and, uh, oh, what's the dude's name? The old guy that was going to die, you know, every five minutes. He was the architect. He was the deal maker. And uh, he really wanted to take over the mob, but 
Michael resisted him. So Michael goes to this meeting and is doing his birthday. This when Michael attempts to have his bodyguard. Thank you. Thank you, Hyman Roth. Yes, sir. Hyman Roth, Jewish guy. No accident. No coincidence. But Michael's bodyguard got introduced to heavy metal because that was during the time in Cuba when uh, Fidel Castro uh, and his revolution was taking over Cuba. Okay? So some of the parallels absolutely striking (laughs) with a lot of this stuff. But I tell you, family, uh, if you didn't know about the nuances of how Israel got set up, okay, you had terrorist organizations that would kidnap other Jews that they felt were collaborators uh, uh, with the British and or the Arabs. And they would kidnap them kill them and so the main culprit was uh, uh, the Ergun they were a ter- Jewish terrorist organization and the other one was called the Stern Gang the Stern Gang alright they were murderous family and of course Nobody went to jail, right? Because if you if you told, if you talked to the British, because Israel took liberty with what the British had promised them. There were agreements made where the vast majority of the population of Palestine will remain Palestinian, okay? Didn't they get there? And they start annihilating the population. Okay? And I mean, they annihilated them. They basically removed a million people damn near from one little area through gangsterism, mass killing. See, for whatever reason, they don't want you to know that history. They want you to think that these oppressed little people migrated with with, uh, Walmart bags, you know, those plastic bags. Mm -hmm. Like they all had plastic Walmart bags and shoes falling off their feet and all this kind of stuff as they made their trek to Palestine to create the promised land. Well, they tell you God gave them that land. But it was actually uh, British Jews. (laughs) It's just mind-blowing. And they make it stick. Because when white people look at them, they really see other white people, particularly during those years. And if you didn't uh, announce yourself to be Jewish or wore a Jewish name, you couldn't tell them white boys from other white boys in Germany. Same people. 
Okay? Anyway, let me go back to this article because it gets even better. <clears throat> they say uh, other Rothschild projects in the capital have included the renovation of the Yemen Moshe neighborhood, the development of the Valley of the Cross, and the Jerusalem Music Center, which gives music students in Israel the chance to work with visiting international masters and the Supreme Court building. Following Jerusalem's reunification in 1967, the family also helped rebuild four ancient Sephardi synagogues. They say the foundation also has supported cultural projects, such as educational television. Originally financed as a pilot project, and the Open University, which offers adults continuing education. Okay. Dorothy Rothschild's efforts on behalf of the Rothschild family did not go unrecognized. She received Hadassah's Henrietta Sold Award an honorary doctorate from the Hebrew University, and the Freedom of Jerusalem Medal. The current Lord Rothschild, Nathaniel Charles Jacob Rothschild, was recently in Israel to be named an honorary fellow of Jerusalem and to attend the inauguration of the new Supreme Court building, of which uh, Netanyahu is attempting to change the court system in Jerusalem so that they can't come after him, okay, which caused all hell to break loose. Even people in the military said they would no longer serve as long as Netanyahu was in office. And this is what I meant when I said that they had like a a, a million people in the street damn near on a consistent basis. Hundreds of thousands of people protesting against Netanyahu. Okay? And, uh, the, of course, voila, out of nowhere, they get a break. Okay? It's called Palestinians on hang gliders dropping out the sky into Israel. And I also heard today, Bear, check it out mm -hmm. now, because we said they ain't going to be in no hurry to go in there and mess around with them tunnels. <clears throat> you know what they announced today, Bear? Did you hear? No. What did they announce? They're going to further delay going into Gaza. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, I happen to think it's a little deeper than that. I happen to think that they saw them Chinese warships, and I meant to pull this up. Families, you get the opportunity. Uh, Google, uh, and I hate to say Google it. God. Because <laughs> we need to get away from that search engine. Period. Uh, but when you get a chance, look up China pledges military support to Iran. 
because I distinctly remember maybe a year, a year or so ago, almost two years ago, that China uh, uh, had basically declared that they would come to the aid of, of Iran if necessary. And that's why them six ships heading to that area. But if you notice again, family, we talked and we mentioned this yesterday, and I'm just waiting for somebody to say anything about that agreement. Otherwise, there's no real reason that they would be sending six ships into that area. All right. Turkey came out today, Ben, and said mm-hmm. that they ain't for it. They ain't having it. Okay. Erdogan made uh, a public statement today saying he ain't having it because he's a Muslim. This is what people don't, I don't know people really understand. When one Muslim is attacked, they all have an obligation despite their different sects, okay? It would be like Catholics and Protestants coming together uh, to fight in World War II or in any other collaborative effort. Christians will come together and fight as a unit. Well, it's the same way with the Arabs. So, that statement that he made, I wish I could quote him, but I can't. But he basically said, be careful what you wish for. So within hours after that statement, Israel announces that it's going to wait uh, more time. They're not going in there. See? Them tunnels ain't no joke. And it ain't just the tunnels, family. It's the entire Arab world. Told you. Even uh, King, uh, King, uh, the King of Jordan came out in the past couple of days and said he ain't having it either. He was pissed. Why? Because they got a lot of them Palestinians on the outskirts of Jordan. And they Muslims. And what will happen, family, is if these Arab governments do not adhere to Arabic law and custom, they could be assassinated. You understand? They could be assassinated by their own people. That's why you have to leave uh, people in their cultures to do what they see fit. And you can't just pick up, like they're talking about bringing two billion pounds into this country. That defeats the whole purpose. Why do you think them people stayed there and endured all that punishment uh, that they have over the decades? 
why you think they you think they did that so somebody could come and put them on a uh on a transport aircraft and bring them here by the millions to America? Does that make any sense? <laughs> yes, that was King Abdullah. All right? He came out and said he ain't having it. So we ain't just talking about, and we're talking about Muslims just like Jews. They're all over the world. Okay? And if they declare that it's a holy war, that means that Muslims are obligated even to sacrificing themselves for what they believe in. They'll blow your ass up. You see, so this ain't no little thing here. You got Muslims all in Russia. Just in the word, they're all over the place. You may be able to bogart uh, those little Palestinians, you know, along uh, your so-called border. But, man, when you're talking about genocide and the whole people, you think all those Arabs are going to sit there and let you just kill fellow Arabs? No. All right? Oh, that's where we at. Let me go back to this article, okay? The origins of Zionism in the Balfour Declaration. Okay? Uh, this is from counterfire.org. Now, the name of this movement that you see being played out in Palestine, it's called the Nakba. It goes back 75 years to the establishment of the state of Israel when they basically uh, intimidated the hell out of and threatened all them Palestinians up to damn near a million of them to leave way back then. Well, how were they able to do it? Because they were terrorists. That's where the Ergun, okay, and the Stern Gang come in. And that was just two of, of many other smaller groups where they didn't just uh, murder Arabs. They murdered their own as well. Because as I stated earlier, the British saw that their little plan based on them 67 words in the Balfour Declaration, was being uh, Swiss-cheesed by the Jews and that they were going to observe things the way they wanted to observe them. And as a result of that, they pissed off the British. So the British became their enemy because they expected them to uh, adhere to their agreement, and they wouldn't do it. So the British became the enemy, and anybody talking to the British at that time would be considered a collaborator and therefore 
worthy of murder, assassination. They held their own little courts, not in the open, in secret. And they passed judgment on whoever they thought was working with the enemy. In a word, they call that terrorism. Okay? That's what they were doing. Anyway, let me go on with this article. Uh, The subtitle is Susan Jones looks at the origins of modern Zionism and the importance of the Balfour Declaration. Okay? The origins of Zionism and the Balfour Declaration. That's from counterfire.org. Here's what they say. Let me get some water here. Oh, Bill, that Timmy Thomas, why can't we live together? No. Really? That song from Timmy Thomas, uh, why can't we live together? Oh, yeah, yeah. When that song came out, it created some deep thinking among the people at the time. That was in the 70s, I think around the middle, because this country was really going through a transition, all right, with uh, Richard Nixon getting watergated, people coming up dead all over the place, politicians having mysterious heart attacks and all this, and then you get the congressional hearings where all that stuff is exposed with uh, COINTELPRO and all of this. And it was as if somebody had decided that they was going to end the civil rights movement and re-enslave black people. Okay? That was the feeling that I felt at the time. The economy was collapsing. Jimmy Carter didn't feel like he had uh, really any plan to deal with it. You had the Iran hostage situation. Okay, here we go again, history repeating itself. You had the Iran hostage situation where the Iranians basically kicked the Shah of Iran's ass and ran him out of the country because he was slaughtering his own people intelligence agency that was basically an offshoot of the CIA. I forget what they called them. Um, But they was doing the same thing to Iranians that the Jews were doing to their own people. All right? Sarvak. Sarvak. I think that's the name of it, if I recall it. Sarvak. That was the Iranian secret police, as they called them, who disappeared people. Same same play from the same playbook. And the Iranians had the nerve to stand up for their own independence and kick that gangster, the Shah, out of Iran, ran his ass out of that. And ever since then, they've been on the boo-boo list. 
ever since that day. So, interesting, they went to France and and told the shop uh, the shop and told the Ayatollah Khomeini it was cool to go back to Iran. And that's because France was never really friends with the Jews. <clears throat> the Jews and and the French have always had issues with each other. Okay? Um, so dissidents, even American dissidents, for some strange reason, would always find themselves in France speaking on lecture circuits and all this kind of stuff. Couldn't quite figure it out. I was too young at the time to figure all the different little little quirks that was involved with this stuff. Uh, anyway, they go on in this article to say, uh, the state of Israel as we know it today is a product of Zionism. Zionism is a political philosophy of Jewish nationalism. It combines partly religious and partly historical ideas that claim the world's Jewish population has a right to that part of the modern Middle East that has for thousands of years been home to Palestinian Arabs. That's Muslims, Christians, and Jews. And they all live there in harmony. No problem. Okay? Same thing for Syria. Matter of fact, the Syrian Jews were so adamant and against what Israel was doing with, with Obama and trying to overthrow their government, they came out publicly in support of Assad. See, this, this stuff ain't cut and dry. You got this Zionist thing that ever since it's been over there, all hell is broken loose. Anyway, they're going here to say, Zionist ideas only started to gain influence in Jewish communities toward the end of the 19th century. At this time, somewhere in the region of 90% of the Jewish population in the world lived in Europe. Though plenty of Jewish people were well assimilated into European culture across the continent and they had made important contributions to European culture and politics, the arts, literature, and science, anti-Semitism in Europe was on the rise. In Eastern Europe, in the last vestiges of European feudal society, local rulers tried to maintain their power by deploying anti-Jewish pogroms and expelling local Jewish communities. In the last quarter of the 19th century, there were waves of deadly pogroms launched against Eastern European Jewish communities in what was known as the Pale of Settlement. The Pale of Settlement. Covering parts of present-day Poland, Ukraine, Belarus, and Russia. Okay? what was known as the Pale of Settlement, where the czars of Russia allowed permanent Jewish residency.
Now, them czars, them Jewish czars, right, was directly related to uh, the so-called king and queen in Britain, the Saxby Gulf clan. These, these people were relatives of each other. So how is it that one of them, the czars, a Jews, and the other ones, the Saxby Ghosts, uh, are not? How how does that happen? <laughs> and so that just lets you know that these people being related are all of the same bloodline. <laughs> It's just mind blowing how they try to throw smoke, blow smoke in your face so you can't see, you know, what's right there in front of you. Okay? Now, they go on here to say, in the face of increasing levels of violence and oppression, the Jews of Eastern Europe started to migrate. And as they migrated, they were confronted by racism. In opposition to the rising levels of anti-Semitism, Jewish communities began to develop and adopt strong traditions, anarchism, and socialism. Okay. So now they're telling me they're getting ready to introduce uh, the Bolshevik Revolution family. The Bolshevik Revolution. Simply Jewish. Okay. They say the most, uh, or you can call it Marxist-Leninism if you want. Marx and Lenin, both Russian Jews. You see how somehow these people are, these little, again, holes in the bottom of their shoes and all this kind of stuff, and people just been whooping their ass for 700 years. I ain't never known nobody have a 700-year ass whooping. You shouldn't be able to sit down for at least three, four years after getting a 700-year ass whooping. Some parts of you should be sore indefinitely. Okay? But for some strange reason, when you look at where all this crazy stuff is going on, you look at the top and there they are. (laughs) And you say, well, wow. How is that possible? Let's go on. Maybe we'll find some answers. They say, the most significant Jewish organization to emerge from the pale was the General Jewish Labor Bund, uh, known as the Bund, B-U-N-D, in the late 1890s. The Bund was a secular socialist organization that actively campaigned against anti-Semitism, defended Jewish civil and cultural rights, and rejected assimilation. In general terms, the Bund rejected working with religious, Zionist, and conservative groups in the Jewish community, and instead developed links with other socialist, labor, and trade union organizations. All three of those areas were directly connected to the Bolshevik Revolution. 
in the spirit of communism. They go on to say, but anti-Semitism also led to the growth of Zionism. The Zionism that we know today can be attributed largely to the efforts of Theodore Herzl. In the late 19th century, Herzl was an Austro-Hungarian Jew who dedicated his younger years to non-Jewish nationalism. But he was also a journalist, and in that role, he covered the trial of Albert Dreyfus, a Jewish officer in the French army. You see this French-Jewish animosity? They say Dreyfus faced trumped-up charges of communicating French military secrets to Germany. The trial provoked an outburst of anti-Semitism across France. This had a profound impact on Herzl, who concluded that the only means to liberate Jewish people from rampant European anti-Semitism was to encourage the migration of all Jewish people to Palestine. Okay? They say it's important to note that Herzl himself was not a particularly religious man and that his Zionism was a secular one. Though he did not try, though he did try to ingratiate himself with European Orthodox communities to varying degrees of success. But he soon identified two key elements that were to shape modern Zionism. First, he acknowledged that Jewish biblical myths were an important source for developing an exclusivist and nationalistic Jewish identity. He called them myths. Okay, because he was not religious at all, and neither is Zionism. He says that uh, he acknowledged that these biblical myths were an important source for developing since they already uh, together around their religious belief system. Let's use that and turn their religious belief system, if we can, into a... Uh, quasi-nationalist movement. Okay? This is why to this day, many in the, of the Orthodox do not accept Zionism as a reality in terms of Jewish expression. Because there ain't nothing religious about these people. Okay? This is a political movement. Period. They say, Thus, Palestine, as the ancient homeland of the Jewish diaspora, became the place to form the Jewish state. Second, he deliberately linked the Zionist project, they're talking uh, Theodore Herzl, into the broader European imperial scheme. He realized that to establish an exclusivist Jewish state, Zionism would need to integrate itself with Europe's imperial powers. So he basically telling the British, look at here, boss. If you let my people go 
to Palestine, we will become a de facto representative of British imperialism. They say uh, he would ingratiate him, uh, it, the Zionists would ingratiate itself with Europe's imperial power. They say here he courted the British because they were the most significant imperial power of the age. He believed that a Jewish homeland could only be obtained by assuring supremacy. A Jewish homeland could only be attained by, quote, assured supremacy, unquote. That is, becoming a colonial settler state tied to imperial interests. A flunky for the British, okay? They say, so Herschel said this, quote, England with her possessions in Asia should be most interested in Zionism for the shortest route to India is by way of Palestine. England's great politicians were the first to recognize the need for colonial expansion. Excuse me, family. And so I believe in England, the idea of Zionism, which is a colonial idea, should be easily understood. However, Herzl has some difficulty trying to convince other European Jews to drop everything and move to Palestine. He failed to drum up very much financial support for the Zionist movement. Herzl had far more luck convincing some, some ordinary people that Jewish assimilation was impossible and eventually garnered enough support to set up the World Zionist Organization. The first Zionist Congress was held in Basel in 1897. What other major institutions uh is headquartered in Basel, Switzerland. Is that where the money? Is that a, the money? The Bank of International Settlements is in Basel, Switzerland. They call it the Tower of Babel. Okay. And of course, the Tower of Babel was basically symbolic of what? People n no longer being able to communicate them uh, with the other peoples of the planet in a sing singular language. Okay? So they say the first Zionist Congress was held in Basel in 1897, a year after the publication of the Jewish State for which Herschel had already become relatively well-known. It was Zionist leader, future president of Israel, came Wiseman, who would play a key role in obtaining British support for the Zionist project. Wiseman was born in present-day Belarus, but moved, to Western Europe 
at the turn of the century. He lived in Manchester from 1904 and was introduced to then Prime Minister Arthur Balfour in 1905. In 1916, Balfour became Foreign Secretary in Lord George's coalition government. In 1917, Wiseman was invited to secret discussions with the British government, which led to the Balfour Declaration. The declaration is short, but makes its position clear. Quote, his Majesty's government views with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object. The declaration was motivated by British self-interest that coalesced with the ambitions of the Zionist movement. For the British, the aim was to, quote, integrate this project, okay, establishing a Jewish homeland in Palestine, into the goal of sustaining empire without appearing to replicate imperialist expansionism and colonization. They hoped that Zionist settlements would provide a convenient surrogate, effectively implementing colonization under the guise of national reconstruction. Zionism became an important adjunct of British imperial strategy in the Near East. At the end of the First World War, the League of Nations handed Britain the mandate to control Palestine. They said, here, take this, this country. Do with it what you want. Okay. They say British control over Palestine in conjunction with the Balfour Declaration created a historic opportunity for the Zionist movement to a settler society in Palestine under British protection. Start the process of violent dispossession of the Palestinian people from their homes and land and come to shape modern Israeli society. Theo Herschel. What a guy. Now, I I know you say you got to leave early tonight. You have 35 more minutes. And, and I do be, have a, a couple of calls. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got to wait because I'm, I'm just getting started here, Bev. Oh, okay. And so, well, and then I also want to put in a plug before it gets too late that uh, Ron March Memorial is tomorrow for those in Detroit. It'll be from 1 to 8 p.m. It'll be at 18846 West 7 Mile. So that's Ron March Memorial tomorrow uh, from 1 to 8 p.m. at 18846. West Seven Mile, okay. And I also want to say that um, Dr. Robert X do have a GoFundMe page, and it is on the Truth to Power uh, page here. So do send your donations. And after 35 minutes, 
if we still, if Dr. X is still going to continue with us, uh, I will be opening the phone lines so. up. Okay, Dr. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, for some reason, I'm, my sinuses, I'm starting to come down with colds and stuff. And mm-hmm. my sinuses clogging up and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, again, I'm not used to having colds. I, I just don't get them until mm-hmm. the last year. A little bit more than a year now, and uh, so this is like brand new for me. I don't this don't normally happen, but anyway, let me go on. Um, okay. I'll stay on as long as I can uh, because okay. before I came on, uh, I had one of them leaky sinuses, right, and that goes straight to your eye, right? One of those, man, that was mm. uncomfortable. So anyway, I'm working through it. Uh, it was like okay. with my nose. You're doing you good. Yeah, we don't let that stop us. We just work around it. So that's because I want to get Theodore Herzl. And let me tell the family. Okay. I, I too, had never heard of Theodore Herzl. Okay? Never heard of it. It was Steve Coakley that introduced me and others to who Theodore Herzl really was. Okay, so let's go here to historytoday.com. Herschel's Troubled Dreams, The Origins of Zionism. So now, uh, I may not get to these last two because I know I'm around. This is a long article. Uh, man, but I want, I'm going to get some of all three. The second article is, when the Ergun decided to be judge, jury, and executioner, that's at blog.nli.org. When the Ergun decided to be judge, jury, and executioner. And the last article was, was Stern Gang's founder murdered? Stern Gang's founder murdered. This is from the progressiveisrael.org. Progressiveisrael.org. Okay. Uh, so I may not get to uh, all three of these articles in total, but they're so meaty. These are meaty articles. Okay. Every word means something. That's what I mean by meaty. So let's go back to the first article, Herschel's Troubled Dream. Maybe I get me a cup of tea here now. Now, Herschel's Troubled Dream, The Origins of Zionism. Historytoday.com, here's what they say. Zionism has been seen either as a movement of national liberation or as a form of settler colonization. I'm sorry. Or as a form of settler colonialism. In reality, it's both. Okay. By the way, this is written by a Jewish guy. They say, 
living and working in what is now Lithuania in the second half of the 19th century, the Russian Jewish writer Moshe Lieb Lillianbloom was confident that with the right education, Jews and Christians would shed their religious prejudices and learn to live together. Why can't we live together? <laughs> anyway, an advocate of the Jewish Enlightenment uh, called the Haskalah, Lillian Bloom saw the root cause of anti-Semitism as ignorance. It followed that once Jews and Gentiles had emancipated themselves from superstition, they would coexist harmoniously in a modern liberal Europe. Reason would unite what historical contingency had torn asunder. Lillian Bloom's faith in the healing power of reason would soon dissipate. During a pogrom in 1881, he spent several days in hiding as gangs rampaged the land in search of Jews. The pogromists, he later recalled, were not just pitchfork-wielding religious peasants. Students and the proletariat, uh, modern urban progressives, had joined the frenzy, targeting religious and secular Jews alike. In that moment, Lillian Bloom wrote, quote, all the old ideals left me in a flash, unquote. He became a nationalist. The subject of Zionism, the term for Jewish nationalism first used by the Austrian journalist Nathan Birnbaum in 1890, elicits strong feelings. For some, the Zionist movement and its progeny the state of Israel, did you hear what they said? Zionism gave birth to Israel. Israel didn't give birth to Zionism. Zionism is a creation. I'm sorry. Israel is a creation of Zionism. That should change everything if you didn't know that, okay? So let me read that again. For some, the Zionist movement and its progeny, the state of Israel, represents national liberation, the chance for Jews to rule themselves. For others, Zionist, Zionism is a racist colonial project. Such a Menachean understanding of Zionism or national liberation versus settler colonialism is too reductive. The story of Jewish nationalism is more complex. The belief that there exists a divine covenant between Jews and the land of Israel, uh, the land of Israel is known as Eretz Israel. Okay, so when you hear me say Eretz Israel, you know I'm talking about the land of Israel. But they say this so-called covenant between the land and the Jews is a cornerstone of Jewish identity. 
in the period between the Jewish expulsion by the Romans some 2,000 years ago and the founding of the State of Israel in 1948, many Jews identified themselves as a diasporic people waiting for the Messiah to lead them back to the Holy Land. Various candidates arose in different times and places, such as the mystic rabbi from the Ottoman, uh, from Ottoman, from Ottoman Smyrna Sabbatai Zevi, who eventually converted to Islam on threat of death. So you see, he didn't believe uh, absolutely <clears throat> in the Jewish Messiah because they said, the Muslims said, we'll cut your, your head off. And he said, what do I sign? Who got the conversion papers? All right. Threat of death, he became Islam. They say, but during this period of exile, <clears throat> Jewish religious leaders cautioned against a premature return and urged their co-religionists to be patient and adjust themselves to life in exile. In the 19th century, this quietist approach began to change. The French Revolution was the primary cause of this development. In 1791, the National Assembly in Paris announced the emancipation of France's Jewish minority. For the first time, French Jews enjoyed equality before the law. Schools and universities opened up to them and new professions were made available. The gates of the Jewish ghetto were flung wide open, wrote the philosopher Isaiah Berlin, and its inmates, after centuries of being driven in upon themselves, were permitted to emerge into the light of day. Expanding beyond France's borders, Emancipation created an identity crisis in the Jewish community. They go on to say, what did it mean to be Jewish in a world where reason trumped belief and individualism challenged communal identity? The number of answers to this question were proffered. Some, like Lillian Bloom, chose assimilation in the belief that a liberal, enlightened Europe would embrace its minorities. Others adopted a reformed religious identity where Judaism would be confined to the private sphere. Still others chose the orthodox route of holding fast to their faith. A small minority, however, began to contemplate a response which drew on another big idea, that was emerging from the social upheavals of modern Europe, nationalism. During the 19th century, European Christians began to identify with whatever nationality they felt an affinity with. A new breed of nationalist intellectual revived and glorified the historic triumphs of their people, rejoicing in the distinctiveness of their language and culture and eventually demanding the right of self-determination. 
Now, that sounds like what's going on today with the MAGA movement and the nationalist movement that's erupting all over white world in Europe is because that's exactly what ha- what's happening, and it happened before. Okay? Now, what the left and the Jewish people sneakily tries to do is to say that that's what gave rise to Adolf Hitler. But that was a socialist movement, okay? If you look at a lot of the things that the Nazis did under their socialist mantra, the Democratic Party has been doing the very same thing going back to 2015, Okay, it's real talk, family. Using black people, Black Lives Matter, fake organizations, and Antifa, which of course has its roots going all the way back to the Bolshevik Revolution. Okay, in Canada, that Elon Musk granddaddy, great granddaddy, great granddaddy. Yeah, I think that was his grandfather. Was like at the uh the one of the heads of that movement in Canada that we now refer to as the technocracy that's extremely evident today in the World Economic Forum. That's where they're headquartered. Okay? The the Bill Gates and the scientists and these people. That's the technocracy. Okay? It was nothing more than communism by another name, but they couldn't call it that Canada because uh, they would have locked their ass up, and they still locked up some of the members of that early movement, including Elon Musk's granddaddy. Okay? They locked his ass up. He did a year. And then when he got out of jail, they left Canada. But that's that whole thing is very connected to Antifa today, as is the Bolshevik Revolution. Anyway, they go on here to say, Zionism emerged from this world. Wait, wait, I missed a piece. Okay. They say the emergence of nationalism also deepened the Jewish existential crisis, however. Jews were now forced to choose between their Jewish and, say, Lithuanian identity. Anti-Semitism made the choice a false one. Jews were often excluded from the national body, however they wish to identify. Zionism, uh, that's a lesson for us, family. Okay? Don't don't do this uh, black Democrat, black Republican insanity. Don't do that. Okay? They say Zionism emerged from this world. A minority of Jewish thinkers concluded that the only way to secure their community would be to build a Jewish national home. Self-determination, what the Russian Zionist Leon Pinsker called auto-emancipation, was the only way. The great ideas of the 18th century have now passed uh, by our people Without leaving a trace, Pinkster wrote in his 1882 pamphlet, Auto-Emancipation, quote, 
we, we feel not only as Jews, we feel as men. As men, we too would fain live and be a nation like others, unquote. The idea of national self-determination went against the quietism of the clergy. However, moved by the emerging nationalist zeitgeist, Rabbis Yehuda High Alkali and Zev Hirsch uh, Kalisha argued that Jews should actively reject the exilic life and settle Eretz Israel, okay, that, that promised land, as a prelude to redemption. Okay? They say, Despite these early calls for self-determination, and by the way, family, in the 1970s, yeah, I would say the 1970s, for me, that was the era of self-determination. And maybe the very early 1980s, self-determination. That was the battle cry from people that were left over from the Black Power Movement. They were still uh, screaming self-determination, okay? Now, I happen to know very prominent people who we now know why they were screaming self-determination. They were actually Marxist-Leninists. In the university system, all right, which is where much of this insanity was spawned. Now, they say, Despite these early calls for self-determination, Jewish nationalism did not initially attract many adherents. This began to change in the last quarter of the 19th century. In 1881, the Russian czar Alexander II was assassinated in an act that sparked a wave of anti-Jewish pogroms across Russia. The same violence that disabused Lillenblum of his idealism. Further uh, west, the pan-Germanist George Ritter von Schroener was espousing racist myths about all powerful Jews, and in the 1890s, there followed an outpouring of anti-Jewish sentiment in France in response to the false accusation of treason against the artillery officer Alfred Dreyfus. They go on to say, one observer watching the darkening clouds gather was the Austro-Hungarian journalist Theodor Herzl, okay? An unlikely Jewish nationalist, Herzl was an assimilated member of Vienna's middle class who had little interest in the religion or culture of his forefathers. His emotional and intellectual hinterland was almost entirely made up of the culture and politics of Central Europe's German-speaking community. Bismarck, Wagner, Pan-Germanist fencing clubs. This was the cultural matrix that animated the man found the Zionist movement. Despite his lack of interest in Judaism or Jewish culture, Herschel was all too aware of anti-Semitism. During the 1890s, he came to believe that emancipation had failed 
because it led to economic competition between Jews and Gentiles, which in turn had generated anti-Jewish prejudice. Jews had been liberated from the physical ghetto, he concluded, but racism now confined them to a new ghetto whose walls were not immediately visible but were real nonetheless. Herschel committed himself to liberating Jews from his new ghetto. After contemplating a number of schemes, such as socialist revolution and mass conversion to Christianity, Herschel landed on national self-determination. No singular event seems to have occasioned this decision. In 1899, Herschel wrote in an American journal that, quote, what made me a Zionist was the Dreyfus trial, unquote. But the historians, Shlomo Avenieri and Derek Pinslar, have both convincingly argued that this was an apocryphal tale. It's likely that Zionism came to him gradually during the 1890s. Herschel didn't mention it in his articles, or more importantly, in his diary, uh, while he reported on the Dreyfus Affair. So in his 1896 pamphlet, The Jewish State, he argued that the establishment of a modern European homeland for Jews would provide a refuge for persecuted people and prevent competition with non-Jews. So he just wanted to assimilate. Now here's where it gets interesting. Anti-Semitism would disappear, and Jews would be able to live at last as free men on our own soil. In the years following the publication of the Jewish State, and that was in 1896, family, Argentina and East Africa would both be mooted as possible locations for the new homeland. family. They was just looking for a, a place to squat. They didn't really give a damn about no Palestine. They just wanted some place to call home. So Argentina there. Where did they say history is uh, Hitler escaped to after World War II? Did they say Argentina? Bingo. <laughs> Two countries, either Argentina or Brazil. With Argentina, Argent, yeah, Argentina being much more homogeneous than Brazil. A lot of black people in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, ain't it interesting that they would uh, talk about putting a Jewish state in Argentina and in East Africa. Anyway, both of these places were mooted uh, as locations for the new homeland. But these territories lacked the draw of the Holy Land. Ever memorable historic home was the dream. Okay. 
Uh, how much time we got left there? Uh, let me see. Nine minutes. Okay. Uh, man, I there's no way I'm going to finish this. I, I'm going to encourage people to get the article, okay? I may come back to this next week. Is that, is that important? Because it talks about then uh, the first Zionist Congress, okay, the very first held in Basel, Switzerland. And it was established by the World Zionist Organization through Theodore Herzl. Okay? Of course his name don't get mentioned today. They don't want you to mention his name. Okay? But they start talking about things like uh, him being at the forefront of a new kind of Jew. And it goes on to talk about how they, the so-called migrants, okay, uh, were ushered into Israel and violating uh, Palestine and violating all the agreements <laughs> to the point that they made the British the enemy. And that's how, that's how and why they blew up the King David Hotel, killing a bunch of uh, British soldiers. Okay, it, it's just mind blowing. All right, uh, so I may come back to this next week, but I think I better speak right here. All the good stuff then starts to come up in here. All right, family. I mean, it actually gives you the numbers of people that were actually in that area before the Zionists came there. And either killed a bunch of them or ran them off. They had absolutely no sympathy for these people because their whole mantra was the promised land. This land was promised to them by God. And even if it meant killing the indigenous population, well, God told us to do it. You see, that's the real foundation of Israel. It ain't got nothing to do with no God, nothing, okay? Any God that will sanction you to go and take innocent people's land that ain't did a damn thing to you and then to persecute those people for decade after decade after decade after decade to the point that you now are openly calling these people animals and practicing genocide right out in the open. Right out in the open. Not here. Coming from very prominent Jews in Israel. They don't care. Get rid of the vermin. And, and this what's been going we- on since the 1800s? No, it's been going on since the establishment of the state, or just shortly before the establishment of the state of Israel. They began to migrate to Palestine in the 1930s in large numbers. Oh, okay. okay. Hitler had already made, was making the agreement 
by the late 1930s, the transfer agreement, where the rich Jews were allowed to leave and go where? To Palestine, because they were being barred from coming into this country. Okay? They were being barred. Uh, and for obvious reasons. Because wherever these people seem to go, trouble is their best friend. Okay? Because that's the history of these people who claim to be something that they are not. And that's really the ugly part to this. These people claiming to be something that they're not. Okay? So, Bear, I done talked myself just to death. <laughs> We're going to let the family get on in here and, and say they peace. Okay. Um, don't forget to send your donations to Dr. Robert X. Uh, his GoFundMe page is on Truth to Power page. All right, 708 837. 708. Okay, I think he, he fell asleep on us last night. I think he did again tonight. Yeah. Uh oh, wait a minute. What'd you say? Okay. I was just slow on the fingers. Huh? I was just slow on that finger tonight. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good evening, good evening. Hey, I want to say good evening. I, I, and uh, Robert, next piece to you, uh, you were speaking of, of, of the old gentleman. I used to listen to you and him a long time ago. And I was wondering what happened to him. I'm sorry to hear that he has, he has left this uh, dimension. Oh, you're talking about the brother from Detroit? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Don, uh, Ron March. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I used to listen to him all the time with you over there. So I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, same here. Now, I never got a chance. I don't recall ever meeting a brother. Okay, uh, I may have, and and just don't recall it. If, if I did, what you know, mm-hmm. going back, but I hope you forgive me. But uh, I listened to him on Bear's program on occasion as well. Yeah, because I, I wonder what happened to him because it's very easy to show. So. I don't know. Yeah, he had been anyway. sick for a couple of years. Okay. And, and so that's what I was wondering. Did his son take over his show? Does, it, does he still have his show? No, I don't think so. That was his cousin, his okay, nephew okay. or something, one of them, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. While he was gone? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I, I had a couple of things to say. I was uh, reading this article the other day, and it's called uh, the Snyder Act. It's 1924. They're supposed to be giving the indigo, that's, that's melanated people that are uh, indigenous to America, they're supposed to be giving them uh, some kind of stipend. Now, they're not calling it reparations. So you have to look into it. The people that, that, that go in, you have, they're going to change the status. They're going to do a few things. But you have to do your due diligence. I'll just tell you, it's the Snyder Act. It's 1924. And they're going to give people, melanated people from America, a stipend. Some people are already getting it. I was trying to find a way do I go to register. Called Snyder, Snyder, the Snyder Act of 1924. Okay. You said it was so, in 1924. Yep, but they're going to give indigenous people, because remember, under the 13th and 14th Amendment, 
we, 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 because the Constitution really wasn't for us, because at that time, remember, we had the fight to vote and everything, you know, indigenous people that were stopping from voting. But us being the real indigenous Indian, because they got proxy Indians too, all these uh, Mongolians and, and whatnot, they're proxy. Because we are the indigenous. When they came here, only thing, these uh, Spanish, Spanish, Portuguese, um, um, what they call Moranos, the only thing they saw when they came here, and the European, don't forget the European. All they saw was copper-colored people. Mm-hmm. The color Indians. America was never at war with anybody but the copper-colored Indians. They, but every treaty they made, they broke it with, with us in this country. So people got to remember that. And then that good Rockefeller educational system and your book, these, these boys were able to, to basically whitewash, whitewash society history. And, and put all these people in the land. These people sitting on these reservations, most of them are proxies. They weren't. None of those people were ever at war with America. Only us. Remember the Seminoles in Florida? Man, they, they were warned, man. Big time. Florida, Louisiana. Um, and Andrew Jackson was an Indian killer. <laughs> and don't forget, they had a bounty on, on the Californians. They put bounties on them where the government was paying to wipe them off the land after they, they found gold in California. They didn't get all the melanated Indians. So. This is yeah. something to remember, looking to the snow rack, because it may be a prosperity for all people. The only thing I see if they start asking for, uh, I don't do DNA tests because I don't believe in it. I, I, I would never go that route. Yeah, I did. I, I, I asked my 96-year-old grandmother, and her so that was my DNA test. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, my grandmother said she was shot top. That, uh, that's my grandmother in there. Shot top. You, you yeah, that's, yeah. Where, that's where we're from, too. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they're from Natalie. They're from down. The, 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 the Creek. The Creek. <laughs> well, the down there, too. Yeah. Uh, Natalie was called uh, 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 the, the Creoles. A bunch of Creoles. My mother was white mm-hmm. skinned. Were y'all Florida or Georgia? What what part were you, y'all from? Louisiana, Natchez, Louisiana. New Louisiana. Okay, we were Georgia. My dad was from Tennessee. Most of those people came came from the south. They came up to the north for for um, better opportunities because they were climbing right. down there. My uncle told me he came up here on a freight train, hitchhiked all the way, went to New York, found a good job, and found another good job with the city. And he retired from that job. He bought a before he died. He had about twenty houses in Louisiana. Wow! I just wanted to make sure that I remember that because I'm I'm definitely going to do my due diligence to find out how I register because if there's some cash to be given, and hey, hey, I got a deed over here, not a deed, but a a land grant for 88 acres of land for my great 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 grandfather in 18 something. And, uh, Thing. So I'm definitely going to look into that. The other thing, I watched that vote today for the uh, Speaker of the House. And mm-hmm. uh, it, was, it was something to behold. They made them, they, they made them uh, you know, no secret no secret votes, and that was the whole thing. They didn't let them yep. hide their hands this time. And that's what, they, yep. that's what they're going to have to do with a lot of things. On all these bills they passed, not, none of this secret stuff. Stand in front of the American people and show how tough you are. Show what you're doing. The, the cloak of hands, that cloak, they got to pull that cloak up off all this nonsense. You go into war, they're trying to go to war with two countries. That ain't no daggone where they're in the middle of all those Arab countries messing with Israel. And I think it's all a smoke screen because this president over here, he's kicked. 
So they had to come up with something. I thought they were going to try to start a bunch of mess with uh, Russia, which is Ukraine. But I was trying to figure out how that was going to work out when Russia and China are not playing. One of our representatives was over here today shaking hands with China. So I don't know what Biden's done. He, he sold us out, though. He really sold America out. All this money and all the people you take the money with from are uh, uh, enemies of America. And I don't get it. They let China come in and buy all this land, all of our military bases. I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it. They got the borders wide open. They don't know who's running through our country. They're starting this stuff in the Middle East. Now, I believe in, uh, what was it called, 48, where, where, where uh, no, 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 with the president. But he had all this stuff going on. What is it? 24, 24 hours. That's what it was called, 24 hours. We had all this stuff with the president. But it was a black president, though. He was a black president in that, in that series. But this president here, I call him uh, Mr. Magoo. Cause I call him Mr. Magoo because he can't, he can't walk, he can't talk, he's befuddled. I don't know who got the hand up his behind, but he ain't nothing but a hand puppet thing. Because he's not looking out for the American people. And I know that without the melanated vote, he wouldn't have been put in office, but... I have a, a sneaking suspicion in this last election that he didn't put in the election was rigged, just like Trump is saying it was rigged. I ain't got to tell you. All you got to do is look at the people behind yeah. him. Yeah, I know it's rigged. And, look, and uh, Hillary's still crying. Now, remember when she didn't win, she was crying foul. Nothing happened to her. But when Trump cried foul, he's this, he's that. They're trying to yep. take money from him at every turn. They, they, they uh, the property is valued. The property's all around with Trump's Mar-a-Lago or whatever it's Mar-a-Lago. All the properties around him, that's $60 million. Um, they want to say his property, which is bigger than everything around him, is only worth $18 million. It's crazy. They know, brother. They know exactly what they're doing. They don't have a snowball's chance in hell of convicting that man on any kind of property crime. If the banks ain't screaming crime, where's the victim? Oh, right, they made they made money too. The bank said they made money, just like January sixth. Pelosi turned down the National Guard, and wh- whoever was the, uh, the, the 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 captain of the guard or whatever he is, he called Pelosi to ask her because Trump told him, "Right, you're going to need to bring, you may need to have the National Guard on standby, just you know, to keep anything from happening." And the yeah. thing that he said in his speech, he told him, "Along with the law, law and order, and go there peacefully." He didn't tell him to do nothing wrong. Along with the mayor of D.C. and the mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, she and Hillary decided that they were not going to send the National Guard. Okay? Now, it's interesting because shortly before that, Muriel Bowser was one of them people running out there hollering and screaming about defunding the police. Well, (laughs) guess what? Fast forward two years. Now she's one of the main people out there talking about we need to hire some more police. Bad move. Hey, look, they told these boys, they taught these people to be lawless. Everything you see is because they taught these people to be lawless. Run in there and do whatever. Nobody's going to do anything to you. No bail. So you you know if you do a crime, you're not going to jail. They're going to kick you right back out. And these people are taking full advantage of it. I don't think it's right, but that's what it is. Of course. But it's just the duplicity. These people own both sides of every issue. <laughs> well, like Deb was saying, I call them secret Democrats, but they dress up like Republicans, but they're secret Democrats. They've been infiltrated. And that's yeah. why they can't really get, get nothing done. The other thing, you talk talking about Obama. 
hey, look, Obama's whole persona was made up just like out of a movie. He came out yep. of nowhere. People picked him. He was selected. And then he, he started talking that civil rights mess. But when he got in the office, the only thing he talked about was race. Race, race, he race. Then he, name, then, he, then he made the, he got me? two different. He has two or three different names, okay. And the last one that he settled on was the uh, had uh, you had Osama bin Laden that was the number one so-called terrorist. And you mean to tell me all these white people gonna run out and vote for Obama while oh, Osama planted in the head as a major terrorist? And what, now you gonna put him? Somebody in Barry, Barry something, Barry or something, Barry something. Barry Sotero. Sotero. Barry Sotero. And then he was, his, his he stepfather was, was a BNL across in the Philippines somewhere. I mean, where did this guy come from? Like, you got to remember, you, you were talking earlier about he was a scholar, a constitutional scholar. In what? Because he, he sure didn't show that he had any expertise in anything like that. Because like you were saying, he violated every rule in the Constitution. He, he made laws like he started all this gay mess. He was the, he was the spearhead for uh, Pride Day. He, he gave him a whole month. And they had to fight like hell to get it. Martin Luther King Day. He gave he gave the gay people a whole month. The only reason the only reason he was able to get away with violating the Constitution was because they had that old witch on the Supreme Court that wouldn't <laughs> resign, and she died in office. Right. This was their home girl. So it was constitutional stuff that Barack Obama was sending up there. It was all subterfuge. No doubt. He, he, hey, that's the, that's the biggest one they ever put on our community, though. This guy had no love for our community, no doubt. No love. And they found out that uh, he was actually at the crib when, his, uh, when, the, when, when the chef drowned. And just think about this. The chef, his chef drowned, Hillary Clinton's chef drowned, and uh, the Bush had a, a chef that drowned. How, how can you make this stuff up, man? How, how do you have coincidences like that? You can't. And that's why, I said, <laughs> that's why I said the only thing that unites all three of those murders was they were the president's chef, right? Which meant that the Secret Service would have to have kept an eye on them. And for me, just as I mentioned yesterday, the Kennedy assassination couldn't have happened if the Secret Service didn't stand down. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And that's who I remember. Killing all, all the the Secret Service. The guy who did the miraculous shot from the top of a building. I think she whoever shot him was thinking that he was right around him. I don't think she was right around him. Your phone is real bad. We can't hardly oh. hear you, you mother. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me now? My, my earpiece. That's better. Okay. Yeah, but I'm saying that, that, was, that was something, too. I remember when he died, I was a little boy. They played his funeral for about a week. Who was that? His funeral. Uh, Kennedy. John Kennedy. And then they shot his brother a, a little while later. <laughs> yep. Got both those guys. The Secret Service Martin was there. There are people who openly said the Secret Service killed Robert Kennedy. Yep. One of the people that said it was the Secret Service was Roosevelt Greer, former offensive lineman 
for the L.A. Rams. Oh, you talking about Rosie Greer? <laughs> okay. Yeah, Rosie Greer. He was right there. Thank you, Carl. We'll we go to the next uh, call. All right. Go ahead. All right. Thank you. Uh, okay. Let's go to uh, West. General uh, West. Uh, say some words for the man in Detroit. Okay. I got to mm-hmm. say some words for the three brothers that just big, big stars that left. Uh, Belafonte. Jim Brown and my man Richard Brown Tree. He's a bad mother. Let me shut my mouth. I'm done my shaft now. Okay, I got but I'm speaking of the chef thing, man. If I was if you was if I was the president or uh, uh, king or some shit like that, what you do? Make your damn chef taste the damn food he done cook. So they probably tried to poison them cats, man. So that chef, boy, I beat him. You eat the shit you just cook first, you taste it before I eat it. Okay? That's how you do the shit, man. I don't want. Okay? That's how you do it, man. Yeah, I that. If I was big time like that, I'd make my chef taste my shit first, bro. Okay? In case somebody trying to poison me, man. So, it, it connect the dots, y'all. Yeah, I'd be thinking, man. See, I'd be thinking why everybody else clowning, man. Uh, uh, as this rock child thing, man, Hitler was a rock child because uh, one of the rich rock child was tipping with the maid, therefore, they come Hitler. Okay, and that's how Hitler had to do what he had to do because he was a rock child, man. But this shit is beautiful. We got the craziest government, all these leaders is run with mad, man. All of them, okay, on both freaking sides, okay. One side, you got winking, blinking, and nod. Okay? Now, y'all pick out who winking, blinking, and nod is. On the side, you got, uh, what's the name? Trump is Trump. He can't stop talking and shit. Okay? If you if you gangster like that, you got to know how to move in silence, man. So he is his worst enemy by flapping them jaws like you're a Negro. So it is what it is, man. That's why. Yeah, I, I'm just enjoying this show, man. All this crazy stuff was going on, man. You got one fool that that was uh airplane, uh one of the pilot jumped up and talking about he done smoked some mushrooms and shit, man. This stuff crazy as hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 can't, you can't make nothing of this stuff crazy, man. I love it, bro. I love all this stuff going on, man. It, it's crazy. And I sent y'all an article about uh the NAACP done got bought out. They've been bought out. We know that. $40 million from uh, uh, Wells Fargo to shut the hell up. So you a can't depend Brother West, said, they, yeah. they stated point blank that they yeah. were doing intelligence work for the FBI. That was almost two years ago now. So they yeah. should get paid for their work. Yep. And, and uh, they took the money in February, but I just found out about it uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah. So uh, they kept that. Under wrap, did it? Most time they be all talking. And, the uh, important just, thing is huh? they are not a black organization. Yeah, they are know. an arm of the FBI. That's and our also, And also they owned by Spingard and the Rockefellers and them Jews and stuff. That is okay. correct. 
And so uh, they, they ain't never done nothing for me, man, because I got needed the NAACP when I was fighting some police, and I couldn't find not one of them fuckers down there in Florida, man. And not that's one of them. By the way, huh? Brother West, you just mentioned Joe Spingarn. Who yeah. introduced to that name, Joe Spingarn? Who did what now? Who introduced us to Joe Spingarn and the Spingarn Award that's given out annually? A Jewish guy, uh, an award for black people with a Jewish guy as the reason for it, given mm-hmm. through the ACP every year. Yep, and look at the image awards there with all the fifth ass rappers and shit, man. Okay. Oh, and I... move away from that. From what I understand, Wes, they say the yep. last uh, award ceremony was nothing but lesbians, homosexuals, and trannies. There you go. That's right, man. Now that you got finna bring some uh some kind of trans cat or whatever to be a referee for the end of uh basketball. I sent that out, man. Something on somebody said that about some they gonna have some freak referee and basketball. All this stuff is rigged, man, especially sports, man. I think but they it's deserve funny. It. This stuff is crazy, man. Like all this stuff going on, all the leaders that went start waving mad, man. Yeah, I hope he, I hope that referee wear a, a cheerleading uniform. <laughs> Let him run his big ass up and down the court and lose a few pounds. Yeah, man, all this stuff, man. There's so much, so much uh, stuff going on, man. And uh, 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 this is crazy, man. And down here, like last week, there took the bear up there. I, I'm trying to find artists about two sisters. I don't know who the other. One. It was two women. One of them was a pilot, and, uh, and she's sister. And uh, the plane was about to crash and shit, man. So they she survived the plane crash, man, because she was smart. Okay. And she just got a broke arm and a broke leg. She, she p- took the plane down in the woods. And it, that was beautiful, mm-hmm. man. Okay. So there's some soldiers out there, man, that know how to think, man. You got to know how to think on your feet. When this kid hit the fan, you got to know how to think, man. No doubt about it. Anybody stupid, they can, uh, they do, man. That's why with the energy, uh, that conversation we had yesterday about left and right, no, all the stuff is spiritual, uh, that's how yeah. you go. You got left, right, and then you got the electrons in the middle. Everything is spinning, man. It's spiral. Yep. And to prove it to y'all, when you go to the bathroom, when you flush, you how the water, how the water go down the drain in a circle, right? Huh? Yep. Yep. So that's right. I just broke it down for the people in the back of the room that just couldn't catch what we were talking about. Because the blood circulates from left to right, but it's in a All circle, the, man. That's how the planet rolls, brother West. Yes, Matter of fact, man. the entire solar system is a spiral. It's there not one revolving around the other uh, yep. in unity. It's a spiral. Yes, sir. And so that that's the root word. Uh, uh, spirit is the root word. So once you know how to handle your spirit, then your mind and your will follow. You got to yep. look, let the spirit lead the way. Because the head, the head, I, most people, their head is gone, man. Their mind is all jacked up, making the wrong thought, wrong ideas. But uh, getting back to uh, do you, you the question you asked, do I think it's gonna, they're going to drop a bomb or whatever, whatever. I don't like to prophesy stuff because our words have a lot of power, man. I try to tell our people that. 
when you think something and say it, nine times out of ten it's going to happen. So when somebody tells me something about this situation, I say, yeah, you're right. Cause that's how this energy works, man. Yeah. So that's, I know how to check my words and think before I say something. So nine times out of ten, it comes, oh, yeah, let me tell you something about uh, your nose, man. I had the same problem. With, and uh, my man Crenshaw, he hooked me up with some, uh, what's that? Some silver uh, spray, man. And I talked to him today. He silver water. It's some silver, yeah, some kind of silver oxide, I think that's what it's called. Okay, okay. okay. Cause I you talking about colloidal silver, are you? Huh? You ain't ta- are you talking about colloidal silver? No, man, it's some kind of spray, man. Uh, he'll tell you, he got it, man, because I had a problem with just one of my nostrils because I had surgery. On, these doctors, they all, every time when I had surgery, they fucked me up. They supposed to took out <laughs> two, uh, two tonsils. Them fuckers took out one tonsil and left the other half a tonsil. Same thing with my sinuses, man. So uh, that's why I stay away from these butchers, man. Anyway, I had a problem with, uh, and my man, uh, Crenshaw, sent me some of that spray. That stuff yeah. worked, man. He, he gonna hook you up, man. I talked to him today. He called and checked on me, man. I appreciate it, man. So well, I know. You see, huh? So I can probably look for a call from him then in in the near future. Yeah, because he told me, man. He said he gonna call you and hook you up, man. Because I, I told him I'm like Frankenstein, man. I gotta try everything, everywhere, everywhere. I'm like everything, <laughs> everywhere, every day. But, uh, this you talking about the church earlier, right? But check out this movie, man. It's about the black church. My man, uh, what is his name, Cat Williams, he play a preacher man in a wheelchair, like Einstein. He a preacher man? Boy, <laughs> that'll bust you. He a real preacher. What's, what's the name of it? I forget the name of it. Okay. I, I saw it like a couple of weeks ago, like late at night on the Bounce Channel, man. He, I mean, if I find a name, I, just look up Cat Williams, the preacher man. It, it was gangster, man. Okay. Yeah, he was a gangster preacher, man. He could have bust you up if he was, man. That means Huh? Is that the new movie that somebody was telling me about with uh, Jamie Foxx? No, no, I was telling you about it. No, that's not it. The movie last night we were talking about the, the barrier, but this movie about uh, about the church where Cat Wee is a preacher, man, and it mm-hmm. was gangster, man, selling dope and doing all kind of shit, man. So you were like <laughs> you were like the Godfather, man. Little bust you up, man. I don't want to see y'all the movie, man. But, boy, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> You can match it here in a wheelchair, me in a feature, man. <laughs> Running games, man. Really, <laughs> man. There's some fun stuff going on, man. But the black church, man, them the real gangsters and the thugs, man. The yep. stuff they would do, man. Because they would run the black community, especially back in the day, man. Brother, Brother West, they huh? was really bad in the 50s. Oh, my God. Yeah. 50s and 60s? Man, oh, man. They were terrible, brother. Yeah, I saw an old movie with Oscar Mashad, uh, uh, uh where he, he was about a black preacher, man. And he was going from house to house. You know what they do? They go to eat people chicken, play with the both wives and shit, man. It's some crazy stuff, man. Real life is, is wild, man. But uh, this government we got, man. Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you what these Jews doing. They do, man. They time is up, bro. And when you when we bust their ass, what they do? They always want to play the blame game, man. Yep. Right. They play the blame game, and they got plausible deniability. Want to try to call you a, a, 
anybody catch him with they with they with they hands crooked. They want to call somebody antiseptic, antidepressant. So they call me an antiseptic, antidepressant, antidetergent. I don't give a damn. I'm anti-crooked. <laughs> I don't work for them, man. So they can't. When I come, when I catch you, I'm telling you, I'm tired of these crooked ass alligator damn folks with this usury, man. So their time is up, man. They done, man. You can stick a fork in them. So uh, they ain't got no power. I definitely see you on that, brother West. Go ahead, man. Oh yeah, y'all. You gonna be here next Tuesday, right? You know, next Tuesday, Halloween, bro. You got to get. You got to show up, man. Yeah, I know. I'll be here. You show now. You make sure my man Crenshaw sees some stuff. I told him to uh, hook you up, man. Cause between Crenshaw and everybody I know, they keep him keeping the old ten man rolling, man. I'm kicking, but not as high, but I'm still kicking, bro. I'm with you, brother West. Well, let let, yep. let me let uh, um, Tuckmos in. Yeah, well, thank you, brother West. We got our old movies, man. You talk about we we old and. And simp and all this stuff. Uh, Check uh, it out. Yeah, but... No, I don't hey, talk about all y'all. I'm talking about you. You know what I'm saying? Hey, bro, you old school. Oh, bro. Number one, I don't argue to... with no women like y'all yeah. do. Y'all go kill the women when once y'all get down. Nah, bro, you don't work like that. So you, you got to know how to uh, roll these women. You don't tongue wrestle. You tongue kiss them, man. Right. You gotta have. You know how to. Don't let the game play you. You play the game, man. I'm oh, here for them. Yeah, too West much. Weston, uh, put that card on the table. Oh, thank you, West. I'm let uh. Right. right. Tuck to be to flow now. Okay. Yeah, thank you. you. Better love. Hold right up, set. Better love. Peace, better love. Oh. Did you get a chance to look into those Kadoris? Yes, I did. They, they oh, what two, did you think? Man, it's extensive history on both of them, so all I can do is peruse it. I can't come to a, a conclusion because I had to get into this other stuff too, but they're very real. Mm-hmm. They're very dangerous, and particularly them because weren't they the ones that were involved in the opium trade? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, both of them were the Sassoons too. Uh, but yeah. just remember when you look at um, banking, world banking systems, and um, a lot of people would think that the empire of banking is New York, but it's not. It's Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's the 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 British um, empire of the East you know, so to speak. All yeah. the shipping and stuff done out of there. So um, they got a lot of pull in Hong Kong, you know, in the creation of it. And um, just to think, Hong Kong has twice as many skyscrapers as New York. And it's, that, that's how many skyscrapers they got. Like, it's power base of the world for finances, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, of course, how do you show that is how many buildings you got. Um, right. So, yeah. And, um, the the six ships that they sent into the Middle East, I think that is deterring um, the United States from allowing uh, Israel to unleash um, 
you know, what what we yeah. know is soon to come. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And it's also keeping the United States from being able to tie Iran into this. Because, like you said, um, they do have some agreements with, with China as far as military cooperation. And, yeah. Um, China is in a... China is essentially where the United States probably was in the 1920s, you know, 19-teens, because they need oil, uh, because they're producing everything um, that the world is consuming. And in order to run all those factories and to stay in business, their business is to produce everything. That's what they sold on to. So um, they need to fuel all of that in order to keep everything going. So their their energy consumption is like as important as it was back in the United States when you had the plumes of black smoke up in the skies and all the major cities and the textile industries was was booming and, you know, the beginning of the car industry. Like, that's where they're at right now. Hey, that was exactly what pissed off the Japanese against America in World War II? Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Cut off. Mm-hmm. And um, the stuff they're building is top tier. Um, they've taken over the um, the auto industry from Europe because Europe, like the United States, uh, is unable to produce the electric cars. Right. And, um, so now Mercedes, BMW, Volkswagen has contracts with China to make the electric cars and ship them back to Europe to sell them under their, you know, the name brand of Porsche or the name brand of Lamborghini or whatever, you know, whatever brand is, because all those is owned by the Germans. So, um, yeah. um, so now you're seeing the, these huge contracts. So the Mercedes-Benz could say, it, it, they're saying, hey, let's just have the Chinese make the car, ship it back to Europe, ship it out to the United States, ship it all around the world with the Mercedes-Benz logo. It's just going to be made by the Chinese now, and it's still going to, you know, look like a Mercedes-Benz, you know, and that's what BMW, all of them are doing. And that's eventually yeah. what Ford, Chrysler, and Chevrolet is going to have to do. Um, Ain't that what on know, the auto workers a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, well, they made it worse. I think they're getting double the money now. You know, so you you asking for more money. Yeah, the problem they have, the automakers have, is their own fault. Uh, because uh, I did shows with Dev talked about um, um, the the succession of revolutions, getting into this fourth industrial revolution. They call the Great Reset. Um, and how each revolution it came with um, its own currency. It came right after a war. And, um, uh, you know, so pretty much what you're seeing happen is that they have to do this. You know what I'm saying? It's no way to get around it. The I energy is going from oil to electric. I, I, mm-hmm. I think they're getting ready to have a huge wake-up call. I think oil. Yeah, they need to. They I think need the, to. The problem. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The production of oil is going to be ramped right back up because there is no no workable infrastructure for 
mass electric cars the way they're trying to do. The infrastructure is not there at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the foreseeable future, I can see them with electric cars, and I can see the fuel combustible engine because I think what's going to happen in the next few years is just like you saw major pushback with against these people in this fake virus and vaccine, I think you're also going to get major revelations on the falsity of so-called climate change because they're in a position where they don't have to answer no questions. If they're put in a position where they have to justify what they talk about, they cannot justify it. And they well, know I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And that's just what I was going to say. Is yeah. The, the problem they're going to have is their fake climate change agenda, which um, means that you're going to have to have electric cars, right? So that's why the green agenda, agenda 2030, all of those agendas are telling you exactly where they're going, right? Um, yep. I don't understand how the United States automakers didn't get the memo and they kept investing in the same product instead of changing. So if you take um and, and even the electric industry is failing in China, right? That's why they need the, the German automakers to to come in and have cars that sell because the United States and Europe has blocked the Chinese cars from coming in. You know, because they know they can't compete. So, therefore, uh, China's losing tens of thousands, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars on each car it's producing because it's not selling the volume of cars it's supposed to be selling because the yeah. plan was to be inside of the United States and the European market at this time. Uh, but the the whole thing with the uh, um, the way that the company like Tesla and you got a company like um, BYD, they're right. making their cars um, using new technology, per se the um, gigapress machine uh, where they just take the molten metal and mold the parts, the mm-hmm. metal parts to the car right in factory. You don't have to go outside. To the, all of those things are the things that the Ford and Chrysler and General Motors should have been invested in instead yep. of making the same product. So now they're behind and um, they're losing money on products where other companies are making prof- profits on them. So that, I that's see what one, I see. I see one major auto, auto manufacturer in this country. That's what I see the future. Okay? Yeah, the because, only way they're going to exist is if they take their car brands, move them to China to be made, and then ship them back to the United States duty-free and sell yes. them. That's the, you know, that's the only way they're going to be able to, to survive, and I don't know if they're going to be willing to do that, because who's going to buy maybe, an American-made Chinese maybe, car? Yeah, or maybe South Korea or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I, Absolutely. I <laughs> Uh, but definitely, like you said, it has to be a war. It's a war before every reset. And yep. uh, everything you're seeing, the major oil companies or countries are sticking together, except for the United States, 
are sticking together because they know that the right is on the wall. That industry, based off the World Economic Forum, uh, the um, clubs, Rome, Budapest, etc., they've been pushing this climate agenda for the last long, my whole life. It was yep. depleted ozone layer, the hole in the ozone layer. Yeah, it, it, it had so many different. <laughs> <laughs> different context that it took, you know what I'm saying, to the point where unless someone can prove definitively that it's fake, it's going to be very difficult to get people to not believe that it's real because they've been propagandized with it for so long. That's right, and that becomes the trick. How do you get these people in a position where they have to justify all the claims that they made? Because what happens is, if you look back at the things that they said, all of it has been a lie. All of, like everything else. <laughs> I agree with you, yeah. I don't believe in it. I believe they're creating the climate change. Yeah, yeah, of course. And see, that's separate and distinct from major corporations doing pollution in the waters and that kind of thing. We're talking about things that have nothing to do for the most part with major corporations. They're saying breathing is contributing to climate change. Cow farts is contributing to climate change. Trees Mm -hmm. is uh, contributing to climate change. Therefore, we must remove all of them. Which means remove all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Several forms. Uh, last thing I was going to say is you mentioned The Godfather, and that's one of my uh, all-time favorite movies. Um, yeah. Movie series, rather, you know what I'm saying? At least yeah, the awesome. first, maybe the first two, maybe three. First two are classics, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, when you look at the real-life mob, um, you had these mob wars took place in uh, you know in the early 1920s 30s maybe um and you had these new these old time families that ran the mall and they ran yep. system, they came here and you had the younger people that's coming behind them and they wanted to work with the Jews right so that's where you get your Maya Lansky and, and your Arnold Wolfstein and, and uh, all of these people come into the picture uh, because the young people didn't have a problem working with the with these young Jews because they were running all kind of rackets and stuff together. But the old time Italians, they felt like you know that this isn't that's against the rules. We only do business with each other, so they had to get rid of those old time ones to um, to bring they in do. Jewish ones. And right. um, they they won the wars, and uh, eventually the, the 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 people who came out of that was the the, the Bonanos and the the, the um, Colombo and the Gambino and the Genovese, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The Lucchese, the the five yeah. families, and um, you know they killed you know the, uh, the some of the bosses. You know it, they had all kinds of wars with each other over the years, but. The, the 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 key thing to it is they killed their bosses to bring in the Jews. Yep. You see, the, because um, Maya Lansky had it all set up, man, we, if we could get in charge, 
you get rid of these guys, you can get rid of them, and we could run this, and we could run that. And their major, another movie that I love, their major antithesis, uh, uh, their major opponent, uh, the Jews and the, and the Italians together, their major opponent is the Irish, right? So yeah. the gangs in New York, even though it's yeah. taking place a little before the um, the Italian stuff, but you kind of see how the Irish set up and why they had to go to war with the Irish. You know why they had to, why the Italians and the Jews had to come together because they would never have gotten anywhere going against the Irish. You know by themselves, they had to come together because they were cut, being totally cut out by the Irish. You know what I'm saying? But I always find that movie. Every time I watch The Godfather, I see something different in it. It's like found something new in it. You know, I like movies like that. And I it never like, gets old. I, I can watch it right now, okay? And I must have watched it at least 20 times. All three of them. 20 yeah, times. The, oh, Beth, Friday, I'll be on Friday. Um, I'll send you the write-up tomorrow. Okay. All right. Okay, Tatmos. <laughs> Better love. Excellent comments as usual, my brother. Hotep and Better Love. And, yeah, I like them. I love Mob. I don't care if it's Goodfellas. I, I, look, I could watch all of them movies over and over and over again. And I do. Okay? Because it's real life. It's real people. The stories may not be 100% true, but you can get enough out of them to relate it to things that are happening in everyday life or things that have happened in everyday life. And that's the beauty of them movies. Because the, the first half of the 20th century, uh, uh, people can accept it or not, the first half of the 20th century is the gangster, the rise of the gangster in this country. That is... 1900 to 1950. That's it. Okay? Because they had their hands in everything. I mean everything. And they got it now, only now, like the mob movies told us, now they in corporate boardrooms. Yeah. <laughs> they sell people lingerie, right? <laughs> They still boot. They still selling you all the alcohol you can drink. If you look beneath the the weed market, I bet you you're gonna find bird bomb hidden in that too, hiding behind the book. Okay, so they just become legitimate in their criminal activities, and in one of the Godfather movies, that was the thing that the Italian, I think it was the Godfather, that they feared that the Jews would be sending their children to school while the Italians would be grooming their children to follow in their daddy's footsteps. So mm-hmm. now these are the boardrooms, right? So out of wisdom in the movie, I just wish that they would make the movie about the assassination of John Paul I. Okay. Well, maybe somebody, somebody hear you. They probably will put it together. I would implore somebody to make that movie 
okay? Because you see it all in them books that was written about the murder uh, uh, in God's name. Uh, I think that was one of the books. Uh, man, I read about four of them books dealing with that murder, okay? And it is off the chain, all four of them books. Yeah. I can't think Mention them all the time for people to go and get them books because that was the beginning of the downfall of the Catholic Church. Okay. All right, Dr. X. Well, I'm trying to get <laughs> Yeah. So thank you again, Dr. Robert X, and thanks, family, for listening. And uh, Tug Mosa be on Friday, and we'll be back next week. And for those okay. that like, uh, uh, what do you call that, Latin music, that'll be on tomorrow. So thank yeah. you, everyone. Better love. Hotel, Sister Bear. Hotel family, better love. Better love.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 